Hey now, everybody. Sharks lose to the best team in the NHL. They lose to the worst team in the Pacific Division. Carlson's point streak hath cometh to an end here at the halfway point of the season. So let's talk some Sharks while we all wait to see who the 49ers will face next weekend. I'm so addicted to hockey. <laughs> Welcome back to the unfiltered, unedited, uncensored, commercial-free Sharks podcast that is the Pucknologist here on Teal Town, USA. If you're new to the podcast, remember to subscribe to this YouTube channel. Leave your take in the comment section of the video if you were not able to join us live. Remember, you can keep us commercial-free by using the Super Chat option during the live shows. Better yet, use Venmo and find us at Teal Town, USA. If you're listening on your favorite podcast app, Hit subscribe, leave us a review, especially if it's on iTunes, because that really goes a long way to help us out, and we appreciate it. And if you want to find us on social media, we're there, but uh, it's not a requirement. So, let's go. Sharks played two games this week, picked up one of four points, going one and one against the Ducks and Bruins. Through 41 games, they are 12-21-8 with 32 points, a severe step backwards from where they were at this point last season. Still 7th in the Pacific, still 29th in the league. We're going to talk about those games. Ryan Merkley requesting a trade. Some takeaways from World Juniors. EK, probably, I don't know, the least surprised name to hear it go for the All-Stars. State of the Sharks after the halfway point. But let's start in Anaheim. Oh, jerk man. Jerky, jerky, jerk. Finding ways to lose again. Yeah, well, and you know what? <clears throat> Finding ways to lose against Anaheim again. In overtime. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the la- I know one for sure. I believe it was the game where Eric Carlson had the hat trick. That one for sure. I'm pretty sure both of the previous games against Anaheim, uh, obviously not the blowout from a week and a half ago, but the two before that. Yeah, both shootout losses. The Sharks found, yeah, shootout losses, found a way to lose, as you pointed out, which, again, like, it's not like we're, you know, needing every point this season right but again to 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 go back to kind of the message that you've been you know sharing all along is like you know you want to see you good can say habits, beating you know? into the ground that's all right no 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 because i think it's a valid message to share you want to see good habits you want to see consistency you want to see excitement right and it feels like you usually get you know maybe one of the three on a given night sometimes zero of the three Right. And this Ducks game, I mean, you definitely had excitement for sure. Um, you had hope at one point. Yeah, hope. But again, <laughs> the the consistency wasn't there unless you consider regularly losing to Anaheim consistency, then sure. <laughs> but I didn't really see any good habits in that game. I mean, you get that big lead early, right? You're up you're up two zero, you're up four to three, and you can't seal the deal. Yeah, it's another time that the Sharks were unable to hold a lead. And going back to what you were saying for for a moment, the Sharks have played the Ducks four times this season. As you alluded to a moment ago, they had the one good steamroll job over the Ducks, but those other three games, the Sharks either scored first or had a lead. And I'm looking it up here. 
they had multiple goal leads in every one of those games and would end up losing beyond regulation. Well, not only that, but to even go a step further, like I don't care if you're the best defenseman in the NHL, right? Like how many how many games do you see a defenseman have a hat trick and then that team loses, right? <laughs> we're we're also remember, we're talking about a team if memory serves might be the only team in the NHL that scored an empty net goal and still lost the game. Yeah. You remember Couture scoring an empty net goal with like what 90 seconds left against the Capitals and somehow they managed to lose in overtime? That was I mean that's kind of where this all started, right? <laughs> like if Just you about, like if dude. you like if you follow the breadcrumbs back to, you know, <laughs> the time the Sharks have been terrible. I look forward to know. the dangle video on this. Right, like it, you know, the Sharks were bad that season all the way through, right? But I kind of feel like that game <laughs> to, to go back in the depths, January 5th, 2020, that game kind of sealed it, right? Because if you remember, they had, what, they had that really epic November and then they were kind of average in November, or I'm sorry, December, and then just fell apart, right? <sighs> and it, it was... it's it's been that way ever since. Oh, it was so bad. Uh, and I just want to let you know, Darius, I see you in the chat. We're going to get to that question in a little bit when we start to get into the state of the sharks, but I wanted to just let you know, we see you. So this one was, I don't know. It was the Anaheim game was weird because it was such a feisty start. You had six penalties in the first period and then nothing for the second and the third LeBanc showing off his shot. I wish he'd sniped that thing a little bit more. But this game, it came down to a fluky bounce off the, you know, another stanchion goal. Like, I thought we had seen the end of that against Vancouver in the playoffs, but yet here it is again. Quizzical offside call, and then some horrific turnovers from Vlasic and Hurdle. But one thing I don't think was talked about enough is that Anaheim probably could have won this in regulation. I mean, if you're Vetrano, how do you whiff twice? With, when he hit the post twice, too. <laughs> like, how do you hit the post twice with a yawning cage staring you dead in the face from two feet out? I mean, what's your what's your go-to? My Lanta. Yeah, I mean, well, see, every time I see, it's funny because you, you see that, right? And I, I always, what always comes to my mind is always like, you know, oh, you're going to have nightmares over that, right? And And even, you know, even my fiance, you know, she happened to be watching this game with me and she said, sh- I was like completely tuned out. I was, and she was like nightmares, nightmares. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, am I that predictable? <laughs> uh, now let me just ask you on the other side of this, cause it, <laughs> this is what it came down to. It was that, um, the sharks, you know, special teams in this were about average sharks stop four power play opportunities, but they can't score on either of theirs. But it all came, it was the offside call. How, how in what world was this not offside? Yeah, I, you know, I think optically, like it definitely points to being offside, but you know, like they, they mentioned and they made the comparison to Makar in the playoffs last year, but it's kind of a, a weird sort of gray area where it's like possession, but not possession. And, and, you know, well, and it's totally it, it's, subjective. It's, it's totally a judgment thing. 
Sure. Right. And, 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 and you know what, it's just, it's one of those things similar to like, you know, similar to, you know, when you're a player and you break your stick and you throw your stick and it leads to a penalty shot. Like it's one of those things, like one of those rules that's been there forever, but you never see it. You know what I mean? And so it's, when it happens, it's kind of like, Whoa, crap, what is, what is going on here? And it's like, <laughs> who opened that page so of the rule book? Ra- right. Like it's so rare and so unlikely to happen but like somebody still had the foresight to be like you know what (laughs) we're putting it in there i don't know i mean the thing is like even if i don't know even if this goal got called back like i'm not gonna sit here and tell you that that would have swung the momentum for the sharks Mm -hmm. and uh oh yeah i see that uh yeah jerk's audio went a little skew just because i have technical issues but i've already dealt with it so it's all good um i yeah i don't know how that happens but as they say, it is what it is. I think it's a missed call or a call gone wrong, whatever. The only, the only other thing that I have to say about this game, I was kind of ticked off, is who who was it? Was it uh, Strom that I think like walked by Carlson and scored? And then it was, well, Carlson was out there for like a minute 35 and he was totally gassed. So you can kind of give him a... Um, a pass on that one. I'm like, no, this guy's yeah, no, an the, elite superstar defenseman. If you're gassed, get off the goddamn ice and stop hurting was, your team. I was going to say the onus would be to get off when you get the chance. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, you know, I say get off the, the ice if, if you're that gassed. But to be fair, is a gassed EK that different from a, you know, top line Harrington or well, <laughs> re- well rested Harrington who t- remains to be seen. You make a sound point. <laughs> so this is another one where Kakinen just, uh, God. I know. I, I just want to like give him a hug and just be like, Hey, like <laughs> we so right. know you're, you're trying like, God damn it. Like, yeah, like I feel for, like, I wish we could give you some more defensive effort, something to help you out. I mean, first back-to-back start since November. And it seemed obvious in this back-to-back situation, you're going to give him the weaker of the two teams. Sure. Try to build fine. up his confidence a little bit, but. Well, and you know what's funny <clears throat> is you look at the you look at the stats, right, between, and maybe we're getting ahead of things here, but compare Kakinen against the Ducks to Reimer against the Boston Bruins. And, you know, <laughs> Reimer's. different? Right, right. Reimer's save percentage was marginally better, but, you know, they're in the same ballpark, right? All the dialogue has been about Kapanen. Capo Kakinen, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. this guy sucks. Why did we give up Jake Middleton for him? Blah, blah, blah. Right. And then turn around. Oh, Reimer, you know, what a guy had a rough night. It's, like, <laughs> it's, been, it's been a lot of rough nights lately, you know, like I like I love Reimer, but like why the dialogue is only on Kakinen, I, I don't I couldn't tell you, you know, uh, absolutely. Well, I think it's because he's the heir apparent and everybody assumes that Reimer's out the door by the deadline. So sure. But again, like. <laughs> McAniemi, come on down. <laughs> right, but but as we've discussed before, like you see all the time, like good goalies who are <laughs> led to hell by shitty teams, and and vice versa, bad goalies who get carried by good teams. You know. Yeah. Oh, but I'm sorry, I was distracted because Green Bay just went for a field goal and he doinked it off the off the bottom crossbar. <laughs> <laughs> Sucks to be him. Anyway, uh, let's move on to Boston. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Reimer returns. But, I mean, dude, you're facing the top team in the NHL. This is going to go swimmingly, right? And actually, for 
a little bit, it did go pretty well. It, it wasn't horrible, but... No, they definitely hung in there. Uh, for, a, for a bit. <laughs> but special teams continue to go cold after a pretty decent run. EK65, let's hang it up. Let's blame him because he didn't score, right? After scoring 14 straight. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> You know, yeah, good job, but, you know, imagine if you had just done this one more thing. Yeah, right? Uh, and clearly the officials from the Boston game, not the same as Anaheim, because all of a sudden things are offside or what? I, dude, I don't, so, I, don't, I don't even know. Um, I, you know, I was watching a couple things in particular with this game, and one really stood out to me, and I hate that it stood out, but... <laughs> Mario Ferraro is so bad this year. And this is a guy like, who, remember at the beginning of the season, was talking about, oh, you know, I really got to step up and, and with, with Burns out, maybe try to work on my offensive game. And, and uh, dude, fix your defense first, brother. Well, I'm just like, I, you know, again, we don't want to be mean here, but it's like, you know, ever since Ferraro lost those two front teeth, like he kind of looks like Burns out of the corner of your eye. And then all of a sudden he's starting to play like Burns and... <laughs> Like, it's really without frustrating. the offense, <laughs> right? Well, and it's really frustrating because we we've debated it and talked about it so many times this season. But talking about you know Ferraro's biggest asset was his his physicality and you know being a pain in the ass to play against, right? And then you see on the goal, I want to say it was the I believe it was the Pasternak power play goal to take the lead where Ferraro has the puck behind the net. Pasternak's not even near him. And then Pasternak kind of glides in and just takes the puck. Right. And mm. it's like, you, you can't like move it to your partner, brace the boards or, or honestly, like I would have rather him just iced it, you know? Oh, dude, it, it was horrific. I mean, let's look at the, the first goal, the Marshawn goal. I mean, yeah. dude, what is he doing right there? I mean, or, I mean, again, what's really unfortunate, so you look at that, there's three Sharks players there, two of them are defensemen, and the only player that's not the defenseman is the one who did the right thing. <laughs> Ferraro gets beat. Now, obviously, Marchand ended up not passing it to the other Bruins player anyway, so it doesn't matter, but you would like to see Harrington stick to his guy over there on the chance that Marchand can pass it there and kind of just let LeBanc or Ferraro get in there. So it's a complete defensive collapse. And again, three Sharks players in there, two of them are defensemen, and it was the forward who made, I don't want to say the best play, but the smartest play. You know? Smartest play, but the, here's what I take away from this. First off, Quinn mentioned after the game that Ferraro was sick as a dog, which, of course... And don't play. Exactly, and it's like, you know, I feel like there's a player in the AHL that hasn't played in a couple of games that you perhaps could have called up for this situation. Yeah, I don't know. Play Chichek. Play, you know, I know. Play Ryan fucking Merkley. <laughs> let <laughs> yeah, all the let want. all the fans say goodbye before he's out. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if you want to get his boost his trade value, right? But I look, I look at this play with Mario. It's like Marshawn has control of the puck the whole time. What, dude? Why don't you just hit him? Yeah, blow him up. <laughs> exactly, light him up, Marshawn. Last time I looked, not the biggest guy in. The, it's not Chara. You know, he's a little pest. And I could understand, like, if, you know, if it's a situation where Ferraro is kind of draped all over him and then Marshawn still gets the puck off, you can, you know, you would look at that and you would say, ah, you know what, it sucks getting beat there, but that was kind of like a once in a million sort of play where you completely shake off the defender. But Ferraro got beat, like, before he even cut to start skating backwards. 
Yeah. Oh, but but he was sick. Right. Which and, and we've <laughs> talked about it. How like how much how over the years how many times have we said like if you're not 100 percent don't play. Yeah. But, but again, like, but you, but the response is always going to be you know yeah, but a an 85 percent Ferraro is better than a 110 percent Chechak or whatever. I don't you know? know that that's true. I, neither do I. But you you understand what I'm saying. It's no, I the, get it. I don't like it, but I get it. <sighs> Whatever. The the one thing I did think was kind of funny about this game is that Boston couldn't get a line change after a couple icings, and so they, they end up taking the delay a game because they just kept milking it, trying to slow everything down and give everybody a breather. Dude. I, I, gamesmanship, sure. Classless gamesmanship. But Here's hey, the... Go ahead. So I don't know if you caught this or not, but did you hear? And again, I don't mean to disparage anybody, but did you hear at a point <laughs> in it. the game? Did you hear at a point in the game where the broadcast was saying, you know, I wonder if the Bruins are so confident in their penalty kill that they intentionally took that penalty just to get more rest for their guys. Mm-hmm. It, I'll tell you right now, and maybe I'm in the minority on this. If I was a coach and somebody from the assembled media asked me if I did that, I would turn around and walk away. Like that is a, such a stupid thing to insinuate. Like the you could have a hundred percent penalty kill. No team is going to be like, you know what? I'll put me on there. You know? Yeah, but to be like, I to that be was fair, a dumb idea. Okay, but to be fair, considering that at this point the Sharks, I believe, had gone O for their last thirteen tries, and sure. and what they had done earlier in this game, it was very kind of. Okay, they didn't bring that power play tonight. We can kind of do whatever we want. Right. No, and, and again, I don't I, you know, I I don't dispute that I don't dispute that Boston ultimately didn't care on the play. Like they got over it and obviously they killed the penalty, but to to, to just wonder if that was some kind of skill play, like there's no way. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> my my favorite part on the broadcast was there were there were more than a few times like Meyer got uh got clipped in the grill uh i want to say it was was that in the anaheim game or was that it was real early on in the it was mctavish so it was in the anaheim game but he gets clipped in the grill the refs miss it right and of course the broadcast you hear it's oh you know meyer takes one off the face refs don't see it they you know they they miss that one blah 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 but Mm -hmm. during the boston game at least two or three times i hear oh you know the refs I, you know, I don't know how they don't see that or whatever when you know when it's something against the sharks, but then the sharks, you know, have some sort of a high stick, a stick goes awry or whatever. The refs don't see it. All of a sudden, it's he got away with one. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's just it's loud screaming in the streets. You know, <laughs> old man screams at cloud, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but it was a sellout. Uh, yeah, I think you can thank a so, whole lot of Boston fans for that, based on what I saw and what I heard. Many people are saying. Yeah, but uh, hey, all that money goes into the Sharks' coffers, so that's all that matters. I was going to say, take the cash, right? Yeah, dude, <laughs> and and run. <laughs> so, hero in zero for these two games. Wow, we got through this really fast. <laughs> well, I mean, what was there to say? I mean, you... you. It was kind of a brutal week. Yeah, I mean, I said it at the top of the show. It's you lost to the best team in the, in the entire league, and you lost to the worst team in your division. Now, am I mad at either of those? <laughs> no! <laughs> I want the, Bedard! 
<laughs> so what you're saying, what you're saying is the Sharks it was a good they week. covered. <laughs> yeah, they covered everything. They lost to the worst team in the league or one of the worst teams in the league and the best team. They literally covered everything. Dude, I'm right there. So let me ask you a question. Sure, whip it out, say it. So, and this is, has nothing to do with the Sharks. It's Sharks adjacent. So, <laughs> are you talking 49ers I'm, again? <laughs> no. So you look, and obviously, you know, we, we've been tracking the stats all year. We know what this guy's been up to, obviously. But you watching the game last night, and it kind of puts it in the forefront of your mind, right? I don't know about you. Mm-hmm. I think I'm ready to give Linus Olmark the Vesna Trophy. <sighs> 22 1 and 1 this year. I, I was going to say like I, I I'm tr- I'm racking my brain trying to come up with at least some sort of a counterpoint and I can't. There will be, you know, when both the official NHL uh ballot that's going to come out at the end of April or the beginning of May uh and, you know, the unofficial Tilltown USA ballot, both of them are going to have a hero, I'm sure. Always is. But I just I I I don't know how it's not him. And and you know what? Like you kind of saw that on display last night. Like you could say a lot about how the Sharks didn't play all that well, especially in the first period. Mm-hmm. But man, like there were definitely a handful of plays where maybe the Sharks could have gotten back in the game, and Olmark was like, "Nope, I will take that opportunity, please. Thank you." Uh, dude, Pasta had a hat trick tonight in Anaheim. Yeah, dude, dude has scored seven goals in eight periods against California teams in in the last seventy two hours. Well, and, and that kind of that kind of gets into a completely different debate. You know, I feel like every year we always debate the all-star rosters and come to the conclusion that Dude, the roster pos- size is dumb, the selection process is dumb, right? Like, we come to that conclusion every year. How is this guy left off the initial list? <laughs> I don't get it. Dude, <laughs> is Pasta FA this after this season? Uh, it's either the end of this year or the end of next year. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Dude, just sign with the nearest Pacific division team. dude. <laughs> yeah. U- UFA at season's end. So I'm, I'm, I'm starting to think that that 6.6 million, I think he's going to get a bit of a raise. <laughs> just as coach. A little bit. <laughs> All right. So pasta, is that your hero for the week? Then? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a strong consideration. I mean, like, makes a solid uh, case for himself. I mean, dude, like the, he's on pace for 114 points. Like that's solid, right? <laughs> Hold on, we need to get back to the sharks because the last time we like veered off course, we I got yelled at on some social media thing. Oh yeah, say, yeah. These guys don't know what they're talking. About. <clears throat> How dare they talk about a former shark for five minutes during their two hours and twenty but minutes? Not even podcast. that. But it's like even right, even right now talking about the Boston Bruins, like it's all relevant. I mean, the Sharks just played them. The All Star rosters came out. Like it's all relevant. Yeah. If you don't um, like it, I'll just tell you. <laughs> All right, so start your own podcast. That's right. Who's your Sharks uh, hero for the week? For the third time. <laughs> I, you know what? I really say I, it. <laughs> I, no, like, I, can I do like? Can I do not applicable? Like, oh, damn. Who imp- like who? I don't. The only person who impressed me this week, like it, it's, this is how bad the things are for the Sharks. I'm being impressed by people doing like the bare minimum that's asked of them right barabanov con- continued to play well good for him like <laughs> you know what i mean like eric carlson was still very dynamic good for him like i i'm i, I hate to do this because it's not good for content but i i want to say none all right i don't have any you you are the hero of this week because you know you put this whole show together 
And it's awesome, and it's really great. So I'm going to say you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Oh, I look forward to the $5 in the mail. Oh, no, Venmo. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's it's just just based on what I've seen is Vlasic and Barabanov, I think you could go either way on that. Both of them on four-game point streaks. But mm -hmm. I, I'm going to lean more towards Barabanov. I mean, again, this is a Two guy who... Dude, is getting it done, and again, like you say, doing it quietly. Yeah. You're not hearing a lot of people talk about him. If, if, could you imagine him, like, third line guy on Colorado? Or so, I mean, dude, he, I mean, you talk about a secret weapon. Well, and, and, and you know what, to your, like the offense, you can see the offense, right? We've talked about, we talked about the offense. We talked about how hard he works. We talked about like just smart defensively blocking Dude, shots, all that kind of stuff. 200 foot game. Right. But here's the thing, something we didn't talk about last week. It, w guy is fearless. You know what I mean? Like we've talked about, like you see him get blown up and he gets right back up. Right. Dude. And, and but, for his size, that's remarkable. Well, that's the thing. He's the shortest guy on the team. He's five foot 10. And so, like you said, shorter you know, than LeBanc, right? And so you <sighs> see, he gets he gets blown up and he pops right back up. But even then, there was one moment uh, in the game against Boston where you know there was some some nonsense by the net, and he he was kind of first in line, like let me at him, you know. And so he just he has no fear whatsoever. You know, some <laughs> Hot Wheels coming in hot. How did Toronto not have a place for Barabanov? Dude, could you imagine Toronto right now with Barabanov on the third line? I don't know, dude. You look at, I mean, you look at what Toronto is rolling with in their top six. Like, he very easily would be up there with their big players. This is all I'm I mean, dude, how Dangle isn't doing a cast every other week about how did you give up Barabanov for nothing, you know? Well, even I feel like, you know, I, I mean, I can't speak to anything recently, obviously, but I know even as early as like the beginning of this year, you you heard certain Leafs people being like, oh, he's still in the league. And it's like, OK, like how deep in the sand is your head? You know, <laughs> you know I mean? who isn't? Suamela. Yeah. <laughs> he's in a league. I'm not sure which one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so who's your uh, who's your zero? So I said my hero oh, so was you. My nobody, zero is and also now it's everybody. <laughs> no, you know what? Um, and, and again, I I came up with this last night, so it's going to sound like I have back to back cop out answers, but I I'm st I got to stick to it. The my zero for the week, I, I hate to do it, is David Quinn because oh! you, you're telling me, and I was thinking about this last night watching the game, and I've, this is not a new argument, but you're telling me. Noah Gregor's not good enough to play on this team. Like Whoa. at the, we've debated it, dude. At worst, the outcome is going to be the same. Yeah, like at least <laughs> at that's, worst, dude. At worst, not only is the outcome going to be the same, but it's showcase him. Yeah, you know, like maybe there's a team that needs a a slightly lower version of Nieto. You mm -hmm. know, somebody somebody with speed. Not a lot in the way of hands, but plays a, a pretty defensively decent game. Like, dude, at least showcase him. It's not like Lindblom's lighting the world on fire. Right. And, and you know, and I always hate, I mean, like... Cunning's already gone for the season, so, I mean, dude, <laughs> space is available. And, you know, I, I, I hate when, like, 
when you hear people describe players and they say, well, he works really hard. I don't like hearing that because everybody works hard, right? But, uh, it's debatable, but, I but, go ahead. but I feel like with Gregor especially, like, and maybe it's because he's a fast skater, but you can see it with Gregor. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's, you know, the, the cliche, right? He doesn't take a shift off, you know? Like it's, uh, well, me- I don't know. <laughs> Metal Mario coming in the chat. Gregor sucks, bro. Okay, and but but again, and that's even fine. If that's, but does he suck more than Lindblom? Does he? That's what I'm saying. S- suck more than Svechnikov? Right. Even if that's true, even if he does suck, it's not more than who's been playing. Yeah. You know, I look at that third line. You tell me Gregor can't play there. I look at the second line, left wing, the second power play unit, the f- penalty, like you know, three on three penalty kill. Like you're, you tell me there's no room for him. But yeah. With those, with those legs, it's like, he, at least he, he'll gain the zone. He at the very, like, again, like you mentioned, you know, the, the, the hands have a hard time keeping up with the feet and the brain. I understand that. Right. But when you are that fast of a skater, it's a lot easier for you to get open. Uh, I know. So for my zero, you know, it's kind of a tie between, mm-hmm goalies or special teams yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know is it t- is it time for quinn to start spreading the talent around rather than stacking pp1 for 90 seconds with all the talent your hurdle your meyer your couture your carlson and then no as, oh you're you're a uh, you're a proponent for uh stacking pp1 and leaving them all out there for the majority of it i am because how i sort of look at it right is if these are the guys that you expect to be on the team, once you come through to the other side, wouldn't you want them to already have chemistry playing with each other? Fair point. Fair point. And I, I, again, like you mentioned, you know, that, that first power play unit, hurdle, Meyer, Couture, Barbon of Carlson, really good five. Some of guys, I look at the second, you know, I feel so bad for LeBanc. Like I wish, <laughs> I wish LeBanc could get a rotation on the first power play yeah. unit. Cause like, and and we love Nico Sturm on this podcast, but he's not a power play guy. No, and, but but it's it, you know it's the lesser of all evils. Sure, and and you know Benino has Benino's forget the power play. Benino's not really done much of anything this year. You know, neither has Svechnikov. Neither has um, Oscar Lindblom. I think was moonlighting there for a while. Like you know, even the even then like. Matt Benning was kind of the staple of PP2 for a while. And even then there were a couple of moments last night where Carlson was out there for both power play units or with both power play units. So it's like the one guy there aside from LeBanc where you can kind of be like, yeah, you know, he should be there. Even he's like, he's getting yanked off the line. Yeah. You know who the sharks could use to quarterback power play to Brent, Brent Burns, (laughs) Brent Burns. No, 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 (laughs) no, save it. Hold on. Brent Burns at forward. Yeah. No, dude, Lacey coming in on the chat. What's this? Uh, so why all the hate last season for Lane Peterson, but the constant outcry for Gregor to be in the lineup? They're the same player. I don't disagree with that, but at least with Gregor, uh, you like, saw something. I was going to say, I feel like Gregor has a much more speed than Peterson. They might not have the same creativity offensively, but at least Gregor can gain the zone. Like and Yeah, Peterson's a good little player, but he was just brutal for the Sharks last year, and Gregor was better. I think that's where it comes from. Oh, you know what? Maybe there's the outcry for Gregor now because we're not seeing him. Whereas Peterson, we saw too much of last season. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, well, and that's the thing. I, I kind of feel like if everything's going bad, wouldn't, couldn't you say that, you know, any changes would be welcome change? Oh, of course. 
Yeah, easy targets. You know, simplest to hit. I feel like if if the roles were reversed and we'd seen Gregor for 30 games do nothing, I feel like we'd be like, where is Svechnikov? You oh, know? absolutely. I think I might have said that a couple months ago. You do, <laughs> you wanted Svechnikov to be on the second line with Couture. Yeah, for a little bit, yeah, because that's like, how like, bad like things were. Ago. Yeah, that's how bad things were. <laughs> <laughs> they are still that bad. Yeah. Uh, so I guess, you know what, my zero, I guess I'm just going to give to the goalies. Because, uh, I mean, and Reimer just lowering that bar on the trade value, four of his last five starts, sub 900. Just I'm kidding. It's, it's, it's bad. So, yeah, goalies, I'm sorry. My zeros for the week. Uh, let's get into the talking points here. I mean, we're at the halfway point. So let's, uh, let's play uh, Curtis Brown here. What have you liked? What's your optimism level at? What, what, what has at least made you go, well, that's, that's not bad. Well, uh, for <laughs> that's me, what, that's it's where been... our optim- That's where we gauge our opti- optimism level right now. Is well, that didn't suck, <laughs> right? Well, I I think for me, for optimism, it's the play of Carlson Meyer. You know, Carlson Meyer, Couture, Barabanov, and LeBanc. Those five no specifically. Hurdle? Well, because you'll see. Those five specifically because it they're playing well, right? And so if they play well enough to be part of the solution, then great. You've got good pieces that are free here for the solution. If they play well enough to be traded for assets that could be part of the solution, even better, right? Mm-hmm. So no matter how you slice it, whether they're part of the future or they get traded for the future, either way, they're playing well. And so whichever route you take, the Sharks are going to be in good hands with those five. I don't say hurdle only because he could sco- score zero points the rest of the year. He's still not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let me hit the chat real quick just because I want to call out a couple things. First off, Metal Mario saying, uh, what do you think the trade deadline will look like? I refer you to the comment that I made to Darius earlier. We will get to that, just not not quite yet, but we're we're not there yet, but we'll get there soon. Hot Wheels, though. Love it. There's that guy out crying for Gregor because we've seen Lindblom. <laughs> I like it. Dude, I'm sorry. I've been very disappointed in Oscar. Oh, boy. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find some sort of optimism to take from this season. It Again, I... I go back to what you're saying. It's like, well, you have to like what you've seen from Meyer. You have to like what you've seen from Carlson. Obviously it's going to be, um, if, if Carlson does half of what he did in the second half of the season that he did in the first half, if he doesn't get the Norris, somebody needs to be taken out back and beaten with a broken stick. (laughs) So that I, I appreciate, um, I mean, maybe you can say a little bit of, I mean, this is really, you know, this is the whole thing. There's a silver lining there if you really look hard enough. Uh, Benning, I did not care for at the beginning of the season, and he's he's bringing me around. He, he's, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, he, he's kind of the next Brendan Dillon for me. You know, like, I didn't like you at first, but, oh, you know what? You're bringing me around. I feel the same way about Jacob Magna. It, it, hello, thank you. And then Vlasic and Shimmick had horrible seasons over the last couple of years. And I'm I feel better about their game now. Now, to be fair, 
is that bar underground that they have to get over? Potentially. <laughs> but at least it hasn't gone lower. You know what I mean? So it's like I'm trying to find the optimism here. So I will say in that regard, I like that. I like uh, Nico Sturm. Me too. I, I, th I think that was a solid pickup. So I, 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 that might be about where I'm at. What have we not liked? And uh, here comes Jerk off the top rope. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Everything. No, I, I've not oh, liked. Oh, I'm sorry. You know what I like? The new Jumbotron looks nice. I'm sorry, center sure. on scoreboard. And here's the thing. So you look at Tomas Hurdle, right? 37 points in 39 games. What's there to not like, right? Who? I, <laughs> no, I'm I sorry. I, I totally didn't hear you for a second. What was that? Oh, I'm sorry. Tomas Hurdle. Oh, yes. Okay, go ahead. 37 points in 39 games. You're thinking, what's there to not like? Well, ideally making, you know, eight and a quarter million dollars, you hope that he would be maybe not in the Eric Carlson range, but, you know, a little bit closer to Timo Meyer, maybe a little bit like above a, what Timo Meyer is doing. Like a 1.2 point per game player? At at, at maximum, right? Oh. And 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 so I just feel like there's been too many cold spells for her for him mm. compared to last year where I feel like there were stretches where he was the only guy doing anything, right? I'd be and, I'd be interested to see his games, his stat lines when he has Meyer with him and when he doesn't, because you know, Quinn seems to keep flipping those two. And it's like Which oh, I it's like Meyer Hurdle and Barabanoff or whatever. And oh well, Couture, Nieto, and LeBanc isn't working. Okay, well let's flip that and we'll put Meyer with Couture and we'll put Nieto with Hurdle and then maybe that'll spark Couture. And then Hurdle goes quiet. You know what I mean? I feel like that goes back to your idea of like spreading things out right mm. <clears throat> i you know i also think and i even tweeted it about it too it's felt like hurdle has been just fighting fighting it this year right i mean you look you know he had <laughs> fighting the uh <laughs> the brick wall that the motivation is behind because that motivation is made up of money <laughs> right well you know he had and you know he had that that sort of giveaway um i believe i can't remember if it was against anaheim or boston but you know, it, it led to a goal, and it's just, Ugh. it's like that. Like that guy doesn't do that. You know what I mean? And, and this is what sec, at least second, if not third time, Hurdle has made a brain fart in OT that has led to the puck ending up in his net. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Berg, talk about the top rope with the super chat. Thank you so much. As a Sharks and Chicago Bears fan, wow, I am sorry to hear that. Uh, I can tell you, there's nothing more gratifying. Like a successful tank job in a lost season. I don't know, but how many games did Chicago win this season? Three or something? I think they've lost like <laughs> ten in a row. It's it's not been good. Um, right. And that, it, that's and that's the thing with with the Sharks, especially. Like I kind of said it as a joke. Like everything has been negative, but like that's true, right? Like you could, with the exception to your point, with the exception of Hurdle. Uh, I'm sorry, Timo Meyer and Eric Carlson and Alexander Barabanov. You can pick something out about everybody else. Hmm. I feel you. James Reimer, especially. Well, and we'll dial into the numbers. Uh, Mario Ferraro, especially. Oh, yeah. That, okay, that's something that I haven't not, I have not liked this season. He came out of the gate, you know. Can we return it? <laughs> he, somebody bring the receipt. He had ass on fire coming into this season. And with Bernsey going out, you know, I don't want to say his mentor, but definitely somebody that was a, a buddy 
and I mean, played with them for however long. So it was kind of, well, with Burns coming out, you know, so we got to find, pick up that offense somewhere else. (laughs) Little did we know that Carlson was just kind of like, no, I got both of us. It's fine. (laughs) Uh, So (laughs) what do you expect over the second half of the season? And, and let me start with a couple questions. So, cause one of the things that we asked at the preview show before the season started, will the Sharks be able to produce more offense? Now, statistically, they have. Hmm. Uh, I mean, if you look at it, uh, on the numbers, and and this is the thing that I, when I I ran these numbers, I was like, this can't be right. And I'm like, no, (laughs) I, I, I went through and looked. Dude, would it surprise you to know that right now, after 41 games, the blue line is averaging 2.7 points per game. But last season, 1.8. So they're almost a full point better this season. And that's just the blue line. The forward group, last season we're averaging 5.13 points per game. This season, 5.78. So almost a half point. Or No, it's better, a little more than a half point. So they're basically a point and a half better than what they were last season, yet they've lost more games than, than they have at this point last season. So how, how is that happening? Is it, is it just shitty goaltending? Is it horrific defensive efforts from everybody in front of the contender? Like how, how is this when all the, all those numbers are up, how is everything so bad? Well, I, I think those two you mentioned, I think, are the big ones. Obviously, the goaltending, both Kakinen and Reimer, uh, have not been as good this year as they were last year. I think the team defense has been bad in front of, or been bad for the Sharks for a while now. But again, you look like, again, Mario Ferraro is, we've talked about it, and whatever you want to say about plus minus, he's, you know, the worst plus minus player on the team. And he's he's got a worse plus minus than his regular D partner, which really kind of sells how not great it's been. And, you know, Mark Edward Vlasic is a minus, you know, uh, that whatever you want to say about the top six, like they've been very good scoring goals. They have a lot of, you know, really bad plus minus as well. So it's just being on the ice for a lot of goals and, you know, kind of hurts your ability to do anything. Right. And so you kind of look at it as like. The goaltending is worse, the defense is worse, but kind of that increase in offense, it's sort of, I guess, balancing out a little bit. You'd you'd hope, but obviously the worst record <laughs> tells you that that's not the case. Yeah. You know, and, and I think as well, something to point out is the top six, as bad as the top, like the bottom six is worse this year than it was last year. But the top six this year is much better. I mean, like Timo Meyer and Tomas Hurdle, yeah, you know, you can make comments about their game away from the score sheet, but at least on the score sheet, they've been good. You think the, has been, you think this forward group on paper is better than last season or you're saying last season's forward group was better. Last season's bottom six was better, but this season's top six is better. Cause last year the sharks didn't have LeBanc all year, pretty much. Yeah, there's that. Mm-hmm. But then again, though, you know, <laughs> I'm waiting for you to say Balsers. <laughs> yeah, but even then, Bal- Balsers got the jam job. Dolan got the jam job. You know what I mean? So it's like, 
I, I don't know. I mean, Meyer and Hurdle, they're still doing on the score sheet. They're still doing good things, but Couture has been more consistent. Barbanov has been more consistent. LeBanc's been more consistent. You know, it'd be nice to kind of, you know, Benino or Nieto or any of the Cunning, the litany of guys who've been rolled out on second line left wing. Like, I'd love to push one of those guys down and get like a legit top six player in that spot. I kind of think that's step one for riding the ship. Mm-hmm. And I just, I've, I'm highlighting a couple comments because we're going to get to them. So I, Larry, Sleepy, I see you guys. I just want to know, I want you to know we are going to get to those comments. It's just that we, we're not there yet, but we will. Uh, another question that we asked in the previous show, can they replace Brent Burns? Yes, they did it with Eric Carlson. Worked out. Yes, sir. Many times over. Yeah. Uh, can Kakinen be the number one goalie so far? No. So questions right, answered. But, <laughs> right. But to 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 play devil's advocate, Reimer has not really been the number one goalie either. No, no. And remember, very early on, Quinn was asked, who's your number one dude? And he's like, whoever stops the puck more. And unfortunately, neither of them are. So it is what it is. But Aaron Dell, Aaron Dell. <laughs> well, and where are the Sharks right now in the NHL overall? 29th. You know Huge. where the you know where the Athletic ranked them at the beginning of the season? 29th. Hey, you know what? As long so, as they finish in as long as they finish in the bottom three, they're going to get a superstar. God, I hope so. So uh, at least that's that's what the experts say. Many people are saying. Yeah, that. yeah. The 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 experts. Eh, put money on it or you're full of it. <laughs> so through, <laughs> through 41 games, 32 points on Gosh. pace for on pace for 64 points. Last year, they had 44 points at this season and finished with 77. So again, it's it's very difficult to see some of those other numbers be up, but to have a 13 point differential from last season. But the thing that really kicks you in the balls, and I think this, it, we can sit there and say. <clears throat> oh well, you know they're not playing a defensively sound game. That that the, they they were better defensively last season overall, or Reimer was better last season overall. I'll tell you what I think the key is: this team, for whatever reason, can't play with a lead. They had the, the home ice advantage does not exist. They've won only four times in twenty-one home games. That's like. What? It, the the Shark Tank used to be a nightmare for opposing teams to come into, and now it's a cakewalk. They've mm-hmm. had the lead in 29 games, whether they scored first or they fought back to get a lead. Had the lead in 29 of 41 games. They only won 11 of those. They lost 18. Do you want to know something else that's really epic? Whip it out! So if you look at the Sharks franchise history and you remove all of the partial seasons Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so you take out the you know the two seasons that were impacted by the covid you take out the two uh lockout shortened seasons you take because those are obviously outliers you take those out if things continue on the current trajectory this season will be top five worst season in franchise history in terms of points obviously it's going to take a lot to outperform 1992 and 1993 but this is like like i know there was a lot of conversations about historical territory when the sharks missed the playoffs last year for the third year three years in a row for the first time ever 
Mm-hmm. History is continuing again this year because they're going to miss for four years in a row, which continues the bad history. But again, like, thanks, Doug. This is like <laughs> this is early '90s level <laughs> incompetence. Sharp. Yeah, no, I don't want to say but incompetence. No, it's just, just lack of talent, lack of whatever it is. Lack of talent, lack of structure, lack of I don't know, it's just whatever. I mean, again, something happened. You know. I and I don't want to I don't want to go down the road of who departed who the team after 2019 but well, ever well, since well, keep, keep keep telling them I'll be back ever since you know ever since the sharks have been a bad team right which is going back to the 1920 season there've been a lot of bad habits that have manifested with this team as AJ pointed out not being able to hold a lead whether they start with the lead or they claw back to get one but on top of that, the one I always point out is the Sharks seemingly finding a way to have you know more players on the ice the other, than the other team, whether that's a power player, whether that's an empty net situation, and they play like they're a man down, right? That is another bad habit. You know, it, it just seems like there's these all kinds of bad habits that have happened to manifest ever since the Sharks have been missing the playoffs, and so you can say a lot about the poor talent on this roster, which is there, but even the best players, you know, can show bad habits from time to time. And so it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, but it feels like, I don't know. I don't know if there's some kind of philosophy that's been instilled that needs to be eradicated, but. (laughs) Well, hold on. I thought this is, weren't we supposed to change the culture this year? Dude, they've been trying to change the culture (sighs) since 2020. This is all I'm saying. You know, and you'd, and, and like, they've been trying to change the culture since Pavelski left. (laughs) Right. But but like, you look at, you, you look at the, like, Carlson, Meyer, Hurdle, Couture. That is your Vlasic. That's, and Vlasic. Yeah. Vlasic. Those five, that's your, I I don't want to say core as in most valuable players, but that's your core when you factor in like what they bring to the table, leadership, tenure, intangibles, tenure, all that kind of stuff. Like those are your guys. Those are your trendsetters, right? Mm -hmm. We've the old guard is gone. I'm sorry to say Marlowe, Thornton, Pavelski, Burns, Ryan Clough, like that old guard is gone. The new guard is firmly established. Those five, those specifically Carlson, Meyer, Hurdle, Couture, the new guard is established. What's y'all, the issue? Y'all going to be pressed when Sturm's the the captain next season. Like, what's the issue? You know <laughs> what I mean? And and I don't I don't I don't want to I don't want to give the lone couture shouldn't be captain people any oxygen, but like, there's something that's just gone sideways again. Like, take talent out of it. Just look at the habits, right? Mm-hmm. There's something. And, and I would say, you know, not to sit there and, and beat the Pavelski drum, but that was a guy who was first on the ice and d- did a lot of extras that weren't asked. Sure. You have to, you have to admit. I mean, things definitely, st- I don't want to say him leaving is the reason why the sharks are this way, but it certainly started with him leaving. I would agree with that. Um, special teams over the last seven, you know, four of 24, it's not great. 17%. You would, you would hope that you'd get that number over 20, but at least it was trending up for a little bit. 15 of 18 on the kill, 83%. But as they say, those two numbers need to be over 100 in the last seven games. That has not been the case. The one optimistic thing you can try to take away from that, the Sharks are drawing more penalties of late than they're taking. But the problem is, of course, they're not cashing in. 
four straight without a power play goal. Oh, for their last 15. That shit's got to change. Goals for versus goals against by period. They're identical in the first period. They've scored 41. They've given up 41. But then everything goes sideways. Scored 44 in the second, given up 49. In the third, scored 39, let in 55, which kind of goes back to my point that I was making earlier is this team needs to learn how to play with a win. Too many times mm-hmm. they have let teams just come back in the third. They ha- they don't know how to shut the door. And that's not the first time the Sharks have had this issue. But, right. but that's definitely, if, if Quinn wants to work on something, let's get that goal differential skewing the right way. It, you, the Sharks, how many times, it, it, we talked about this, that last season under Bugner was like the first time under Bugner we didn't see like a white flag being flown. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and you actually saw some comeback in their game. And this season, there was a few games early on this season I saw a little bit of that. But, dude, over the last, I'd say, five, six weeks, I'm, uh, you know, I'm starting to say, like, they're, they're, I'm not saying they're not playing hard. But it, I don't know if it's a body language thing to me or something, but man, I, I, I see like them going into the third. If they're down by two or more goals, that they're just like, yeah, they're just, you know, let's go to on to the next one. Mm-hmm. But the numbers are so similar from this season and last season. The power play currently 22nd. Last season, 22nd. The PK last season, second in the league. This year, second. <laughs> Face-off winning percentage, last season 17th. They just dropped down to 20th. So that part is a little weird. But like I was saying, dude, blue line points, they're a point per game better. I, you I got to think that's all Eric Carlson, right? Oh, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> last season, 1.8 points per game from the defense. This year, 2.7. I would say 2.8. Two of those are coming from Carlson. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean just... it is literally all Carlson. Again, it's that whole idea of like, God forbid, if they really want to tank, uh, they're going to start bringing in somebody who like has a cold and say, "Hey, can you breathe on Carlson for a couple minutes so we can like sit him, like get him to catch a cold or something so he won't play for a few games?" Well, and and you know, last season in fifty games, he had thirty five points. You know, at this current pace, he's going to have 66 points by the time he hits 50 games. And so he's very close to doubling last season's output. Yeah. No, if they, if they, at least in terms of points per game. Yeah. No, I feel you. So I'm not saying that somebody needs to pull a, you know, a Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan move on, on Carlson, but dude, stop being so good, Carlson. We're trying to get Connor Bedard for Christ's sake. T- take a shift off from time to time. It's 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 okay. <laughs> well, no, because Not if he does that, if he if but if he does that, then he's gonna have to hear it from you. No, no, no. I'll be fine. No, I told you, I'm 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 right at that <laughs> moment. I'm you know I I've uh, I've come to peace with it. I've come to terms. I'm just like the more losses, the better. Like sure. My whole thing now, my thing is like if they can beat Chicago to the bottom, what a success that would be. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Carlson, though, he was named to the All-Star game for San Jose. Duh. Like, who else mm-hmm. is it going to be? Uh, any You got any thoughts on the All-Star names? 
there's definitely some guys that deserve to be there and have earned the right to be there. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to the snubs that. already. Are you? But you know what? Again, we we talked about it a couple, you know, while ago, whenever it was. But the the current format, you know, with the mini rosters and the divisional sort of separation and all that kind of stuff, every year players get snubbed just because there's not enough chairs to go around, which I under, I understand based on the format. But it's like, like I mentioned, why is, you know, David Pasternak, why is he not on the initial roster? You know, and, and, and there's not players that... Was Dreisaitl like, on it? No. How? Right. And and again, <laughs> it's it's because it's it's for two reasons. It's the mini rosters, which limits the amount of good players you can send, but it's also the fact that every team is required to send a representative. That also limits the amount of good roster or good um amount of good players that can go. And and really looking at this at the the lists, there's only a handful of players where I'm like, really? Like but I, I, I have to also remind myself that it's the all-star game. It's for the kids and it's for the sponsors. And yeah. so it's not always the smart play to bring the best player. It's, it's maybe <laughs> smarter to bring the sexier player. Prime, ex- prime example, like, you know, I, Mitch Marner got named to the all-star game. I would take Nylander or Austin Matthews over him, but you know what? He had a historical point streak this season. That's something you want on national uh, airwaves. Yeah. Brady and Brady and Matthew Kachuk both deserve to be there and are both players that I picked on my own unofficial list. So I don't have a problem with them being there. Did, did you but forget again, to submit your list? <laughs> but again, brothers on the same team. That's a sexy sort of view for a national audience, right? Yeah. You think again, you think uh, Meyer like, gets there? Uh, <laughs> see, here's the thing is I don't think he makes it based on the way they currently do rosters. But if you just go by the definition of what is an all-star, he should be there. Is there, you is, know, is there any name you think uh, dips like didn't uh, Ovi dip like a season or two ago? You mean like somebody, like somebody who's like, thanks, but I don't want to go. Yeah. This is very much like, yeah, thanks for the nomination. Keep it. Um, Probably Sidney Crosby, honestly, <laughs> just because, you know, he's been there, done that, got the shirt. You know what I mean? Like, Feel feel that. Yeah. I, it's it, like I said, there's just there's a lot. Even okay, and I'll do this one is really this one might really, you know, turn you into Yank a my crank into, if you a, will. into a pretzel. So again, <laughs> like we've over the years, again, we've been doing this podcast now for almost seven years. Over seven years actually, which is sorry, almost seven years. Which is wild. So. Yeah. And we always have the debate, what is an all-star, right? What is an all-star? What is a good player? What is a bet? What is the best? Who is the best player, right? So we're talking about initial, right? The initial lists, David Pasternak and Bo Horvat, who are number three and four in the league in goals, <laughs> not on the initial roster. <laughs> so again, I understand. I understand that name recognition is sexy. I understand that. But... Like people like goals, right? Like, you know, and and again, I, I look like like Chicago is obviously brutal and awful this year, but they still have to send somebody, which I understand. I respect that. But Seth Jones, <sighs> like, you know what I mean? Ilias Sorokin, dude, Ilias Sorokin, he's going to be on my Vesna ballot this year. He's not on the initial list. Well, in, it's funny because I, I go back and forth with the whole idea of, Every team has to be represented, and of, I think it's stupid. And of course, I go, do they? 
But I only then, think that makes sense if you expand the roster. Yeah, exactly. I think once they contracted everything, I think that kind of changed the rules a little bit. But I get it because the the funny thing is, well, if we exclude some team or whatever, you know, their whole fan base will be like, why, why bother watching? Blah blah blah. And I'll just run to our tweet of the week right now, as we're on it. Because please tell me it's the Tortorella quote. Um. Hope. Please tell me it's the Tortorella quote. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that whole weekend. I don't even watch it. I don't give a shit. That is. That's all of us. He's speaking my language. Yeah. Like, I mean, because it's. Uh, honestly, the only reason who I... gives a shit? I will tell you the, the Vegas thing. I thought like the actual game. Now here, here's the, here's where they get it wrong. Putting, and they did this in 2019 when San Jose hosted it. They did it in Vegas. Do not put uh, the the division that the host city is in. Don't put them in the first game because if they get bounced, hello. I mean, we saw that right. in 2019. The Pacific Division got bounced in the first game, and it was it wasn't mass exodus, but a lot of fans left. Yeah, a lot of people were pissy, and and the All Star Game is not cheap. Yeah, but a lot of fans left. They're like, oh, Pacific Division. Oh, so. You know, the home fans that would love to see Eric Carlson and Joe Pavelski and Brent Burns and, oh, well, they're already out. Why stay? You know, so that was a fuck up. But the thing that I did like about Vegas, I thought they made good use of the stuff that they had around them. Like the, the thing at the Bellagio where they're skipping pucks over and they were, they had the, the gambling thing where who it was, uh, Pavelski and a couple other guys and they had to shoot and hit cards and knock them out for, for points and stuff like I'll be interested. Like, what do they have to do? Knock crabs off dolphins or something in Florida? Well, so so if you if anybody listens to the Thirty Two Thoughts podcast, they they've had um, the NHL's director of content on a couple times, and he's kind of sort of dropped little nuggets about what might be involved. There's, from what I understand, there's going to be, from what I understand, there's going to be a skill that's on the beach, which is kind of cool. Um, and supposedly an alligator is going to be involved somehow. Hmm. I think they should have to shoot with a surfboard. <laughs> right. And, and it, to the, to the point that Ian just made, like the skills competition is the best thing, especially the last couple of years, they've really tried to make it interesting. Like in, you remember in St. Louis, they put a deck up in the fricking upper bowl and had guys shoot pucks off of it. That yeah. was cool. Yeah, no, that was way cool. So I, I like the inventiveness of that part of it. But yeah, the actual game, you know, like it's fun. It's t- to be honest, I almost feel like, can we get this all done in a day? <laughs> you know See, what I mean? I, I kind of go the other way. Oh, you want to stretch Where it over three days? I would stretch it out longer, but I would get rid of the stuff that sucks. The all-star game. And I would, <laughs> and I would add stuff like, you know, again, the, the shooting from the platform in the upper level in 2020 was cool. Bellagio fountain is, is obvious was obviously really cool. And doing the thing in the street was cool. Whatever they do on the beach this year is going to be cool in 2020. They had the, the American and Canadian women's uh, Olympic players play a little three on three scrimmage. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, that's exciting. That puts asses in seats, but I don't want to watch guys just dinking around. Oh, we're going to win 12, 10. It's cool. Like I would do like, yeah. Okay. You're going to have a lot of people whose heads spin when you say expand it from two to three days, but 
just fill it with the cool shit and leave the dumb stuff behind. And I guarantee you, you're going to have people wanting more. Yeah. Well, and then the other thing that I think is so silly is the way that they've, uh, that the whole John Scott thing has made them change all the rules from all the voting and who can get in and whatever, you know, God forbid we have a a feel good John Scott story. I mean, dude, when was the last time you heard or saw that much hype around an all-star game? Yeah. I mean, uh, I know so many people that could have given less than two shits about watching the all-star game. And they're like, no, dude, I kind of want to see what happens with this whole John Scott thing. Like, is he actually going to get a goal? Is he going to be horrible? Like there was so much stuff and drama that drew people into that. And then it ended up being such a great story. And whoa, whoa, it was uh, what Pavs and Burns or were just like, dude, get in front of the net. We'll find you. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh my, and then ends up taking home the van. You know, the, the guy who has six daughters takes on the minivan. I mean, you couldn't have scripted it any better for Christ's sakes. And what did the NHL do? They go, yeah, let's ne- make sure that never happens again. <laughs> right. Come and on. And, and, and even then, and, and Hot Wheels kind of putting it in there, you know, like if like the game, the All-Star game makes the goalies look terrible. Like what if there's a way to, again, if you have to expand the weekend, at least add more cool stuff. What if there's a way where you can say, hey, we're still going to do an All-Star game, but the goalies are going to be like local products, right? Mm. Like, like, oh, you know, like, yeah, you know, it's the NHL All-Stars and the goalie is like, you know, the goalie is the goalie from, you know, from, you know, Miami University or whatever. You know what I mean? Or like, <laughs> you know, or, or in Miami. Right. Or even like, you know, last no, year. When dude, they did, okay. Dude, when the, they did the um, the goalie, on, year, like, the, the goalie on one side is like um, one of one of the players from the the water boy from the Miami Heat. And then, you know, the other player is like the quarterbacks. The other goalie is a quarterbacks coach from the Dolphins. Yeah. Let's get crazy. Uh, right. Even, even like some that, like you look at last year, right? Like the integration, the, the crossover and like the celebrity and others were inter- integration, like carrot top, John Hamm, Derek Carr. Wait a minute. Um, Celebrities. I like that idea. Yeah. Even, and, and, you know, um, Wyatt Russell, who played pro hockey as an actor, Mana Rayom, who was the first female to play in the NHL. Like, what, do what, crossover, bring in other people, you know? Do, okay. What celebrity is synonymous with Miami? Feel me on this, dude. Celebrity goaltender, Pitbull. Oh, my God. Dude, who wouldn't want to take shots at that guy? <laughs> and then on the other end is, uh, you know, Gloria Stefan. <laughs> of course, of no, course no, 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 no. At one end of the goal, you have Gloria. On the other hand, you have the entire Miami Sound Machine. Good luck. <laughs> but you, and, and then, of course, it creates a question. Well, what do you do for the goalies, right? And fuck them. I don't know. Maybe you go the other way. You know, maybe <laughs> they, you let them shoot first. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the goalies skate out. That's what know? I'm saying. <laughs> um. Okay, we we need to get on with this. The NHL, of course, is going to allow fans to vote 10 times a day between now and the 17th so they can artificially <laughs> pump up their stupid numbers. 10 billion votes. Yeah. The the one thing that I will say, like we talked about like how cool the Bellagio thing was and some of that shit. You know what I so far that everybody seems to be more most juiced about with this upcoming thing is the fact that evidently the All-Star jerseys are going to be retro reverse. Like they're going to 
have a, Those look a dope dude a miami spin on the mid 90s that has the you know if you're a fan of the the dallas stars have that whole star design bruh i gotta say dude tight if the if the nhl was smart which we know they are not they would go back to the four different jerseys one well, for each I'm, division i'm assuming you saw the um the the mock-up yep uh that's been floating around those look those look tight, dude, dude black <laughs> go black white you know that that miami teal and pink that neon pink dude that is tight printing money yeah printing money but you know fanatics is involved which means they'll screw it up and leave like yeah, hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars on the table yeah yeah they'll run they'll run out on you know monday of that week yeah Assuming they get them in. Right. <laughs> so anyway, uh, another fun thing from the Sharks is they uh, they claimed Michael Asimon of the waivers from the Winnipeg Jets. As we alluded to last week, Shimmick has been placed on IR to make room on the 23-man roster. I, I don't know if the Sharks purposely go after guys with the toughest names to spell, but it's fine. Um, is One body. Yeah, it's one body, and that's something that we'll talk to uh, Ian about. <laughs> no, warm, warm, oh, warm body. <laughs> warm, warm, one, doesn't matter. It's the same thing. We'll, we're going to uh, get Ian's take on that in a, in a scotch here because, I mean, who knows he's a, Who knows how – Yeah, but how fast will he end up with the Barracuda? I don't know. <laughs> right. I mean, he's a, he's a decent player, but, again, the Sharks have plenty of these guys. Yeah. Oh, okay. Guy factory. All right. Um. Again, we I I want to bring Ian here in in a minute, so let's finally get onto uh to the the NHL stuff. The NHL announced the Winter Classic. I I am I am pressed. Okay, why am I pressed? Because it's Seattle. Because it's not in Tahoe. <laughs> no, I'm pressed because Seattle is hosting Vegas. Now, on one hand. It's cool to see two teams that aren't on the East Coast, for Christ's sakes. On the other hand, I'm asking myself, why is Vegas getting their second outdoor game in three years? Like, didn't they just play Colorado and Tahoe, as Jerk mentioned? It's How is that happening? Like, couldn't they have gone with Arizona instead, who's never played an outdoor game? It, I mean, you still get the whole wet coast versus the desert, but... Dude, I am so sick of the same team. And I ran the numbers, dude. Chicago and Pittsburgh together have played more outdoor games than the entire Pacific Division combined. At six each, Chicago has played in six, Pittsburgh's played in each. Each of those teams have played in more games than Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver combined. Well, so let me let me let me tell you this. So there's two with these outdoor events, there's two things in consideration, like stadium series, stadium <laughs> series, who gives a shit, whatever, but winter classic, that's the marquee event, right? You want to put teams in there. And I know Ian is going to feel the same way. You want to put teams in there that have, that are belong to really good, really powerful television markets. That's one. Number two. And I don't know if maybe this is, you know, some inside baseball. Maybe I'm speaking out of school here, but I'm going to say it. Say it. The Kraken and the Golden Knights are two of the top five teams in merchandise sales. So oh, the two newest teams are in the top. Wow. I'm my mind is but blown. Again, but, but again, you say newest, but 
Vegas Vegas has been a team for over five years now. Still, like I don't. Are I don't, they still the yeah. second newest team in the league? They are the second newest team. Okay. Yes, they are. Are but, they only but, the Are they the only team with a glow in the dark sweater? Okay, but again, but again, <laughs> they they they're they're not new anymore. You know what I mean? And That's my point. Okay, they're new ish. New ish, but they're not new anymore. You know? Yeah, but you get my point though. Is no, I get it. I the get fact it. that Arizona's been languishing since '96 is always the last dog to the bowl. And you yeah, can't well, even, you know, I, I get it, but it's like, it was almost just kind of like, Hey, you know what? Maybe we should throw them a bone for having to play in a godforsaken 4,200 seat arena named after a, the world's worst haircut. Like, no, that's we, their own fault. I think they should be punished. for it. <laughs> All right. I mean, it was right. Uh, fair, like, point, honestly, fair point. You know, maybe pay your bills on time and you can oh. be in an NHL building. No, I feel you. I'm just, dude, I'm just tired of. Just nothing but the the Eastern Conference teams. So I ran the numbers, like I said, dude. The Metro, twenty four games. Atlantic, twenty two. Central, eighteen. Pacific, eleven. I mean, come on already. the The fact that the Metro and the Atlantic have played twice as many games as the teams in the Pacific. Stop. Just stop. All right, we we have more. <laughs> Let Let's bring in Ian. Um, Ian Reed, we were only going to talk to you about a couple things, but I feel like we could talk more. So, um, let's start with, uh, world juniors, sir. Uh, by the way, welcome in. Hi. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Hello. 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 Uh, so the world juniors, let's start with that. Um, why, why does anybody decide to play with Connor Bedard? Because he just does everything. Yeah, Connor Bedard had a hell of a had a hell of a tournament, man. Uh, he was, I mean, he's he's everything. He's everything he's advertised to be, and I can understand um, why people. I understand now why people were were quick to slap the generational um, tab on him. I was oh, really resistant to it at first. <laughs> yeah, I get it now. I, I I always look at. I always get my my shoulders up whenever I hear generational because I think it's thrown around way too liberally these days like mm -hmm. every it seems like every draft there's you know oh this guy's gonna be generational blah 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 and it's like no 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 it's <laughs> probably not um now it, is there some cases where there you know we, we have seen some generational talent of late for sure we have um but i don't know i always i just i always get my shoulders up man i just i don't like how liberally generational is thrown around is a thing and and look at getting an elite player is is great like there's nothing wrong with getting an <laughs> many elite people player. are saying right so uh i mean yeah but i i i think convertards everything he's advertised to be um you know and, and i know people are upset that the sharks aren't tanking hard enough but it's a lottery right just just because you know if chicago or whoever it is is going to finish dead last that doesn't guarantee them anything it's a mm. lottery still we, we, we've seen teams like there was the one year now the rules have obviously changed, but we saw, I think the flyers go from like the second last team in the lottery to second overall or first overall one year. So now the rules aren't like that anymore, but my point is that finishing in the bottom five is still very good. Yeah. I just... And even if you don't like, there's still other players that I think look at, Missing Connor Bedard is going to suck, but I don't think like if they don't get Connor Bedard, then, you know, this team is just going to suck for the next 14 years because of it. 
like it'll be it'll be more difficult to build around whoever you get but i still think just like, think of all the, the shirt, all the blown yeah. t-shirt sales yeah i i think <laughs> i think whoever i think whoever the sharks get i think they're gonna probably be very happy with i think this is a pretty deep draft especially in a in the places where the sharks will probably end up drafting be that first overall or not well there was a few people uh you know okay not many people but some people are saying that uh Fantilli might be right up there. And then the world juniors happen and everybody said, uh, forget what I just said. No, I, I see. And I disagree with that too. I thought Fantilli as the games mattered more Fantilli came on. Hmm. Okay. Like I thought Fantilli was pretty good in the, in, in the elimination games. Um, again, like it, it, would you be disappointed to not get Connor Bedard? Yes, absolutely. Is getting Adam Fantilli the worst thing you could do? No, I don't think so. No, it's a, it's a solid backup plan. Yeah, I, I think again, I think I think whoever gets Adam Fantilli is going to be really happy to get Adam Fantilli. So with Batard tearing it up like that, we started to postulate over what do you think about the idea because Florida the, the injury bug has decimated that team. Mm-hmm. They've they've gone into into the uh into the cellar a little bit and Montreal owns their pick along with sucking hard as well. What do you think about Montreal trading both of their firsts to go to first overall? Because both of their firsts are pretty much, at this point, just about guaranteed that both of them are going to be in the top 12, if not the top 10. Like, is that a ballsy move? Is that something that, uh, or, you know, that that would just elate the fan base? Oh my God, we got Connor Bedard, or it was going to be... is it going to be like that pick of uh, what's that meme of the woman with the glasses in the Montreal jersey? It was just like, <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, they, losing when her they, mind um, when they, yeah, when they traded the, the <laughs> when they didn't draft uh, Shane Wright. That's one of the um, best memes ever. So here, here's my thing. Um, I think Montreal can try, but I, I think anybody who, whoever secures that first overall pick. I can't imagine them giving up Connor Bedard. Like, yeah, having two shots is better than one, but would I rather have one generational player or two elite players? I want the generational player. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's tough. I mean, because you you look at uh, what is, would you say Connor McDavid is a generational player? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Is dry dry side an elite player? Yes. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah but see here's the thing right and like it's funny you brought this up because like you know the thing where john scott a while ago a oh. while ago <laughs> right john, remember you know the john scott guy you guys were talking about earlier oh, well yeah. recently he he brought up like he wouldn't put if he was building a team he wouldn't put Connor mcdavid on it and i'm like no i think i could find room for the best player in the world yeah. i would just do a better job with than the oilers have of surrounding <laughs> him with players and a goal to like him. imagine and, and then like not only that but like anyone who watched the playoffs last year, like McDavid was the engine that was driving that team. So the, the, to John Scott, be like, no, I, I wouldn't put Connor McDavid on my, you know, that's because you've been hitting the head too many times with other people's fists. Mm. I'm just, I'd be interested to see how that would work. Like I want to live in that different dimension for just a couple of years just to see what happens. <laughs> Uh, we alluded to the Michael AC Moan thing. What, what, what does that do anything? Is that guy from the guy factory? I mean, wh- why is it just because the Barracuda have been bit this hard by injuries? Yeah. I'm curious if they think like if 
I, I'm curious if the play here is to see if like maybe he gets thrown in a game. They, the Sharks do have a lot of that guy. He has put up decent numbers in the HL though, and I think the Barracuda could use a little bit of help on the offense, especially depending on what's going on with Andre Gazzino, who is currently injured and not expected to play for the rest of the road trip. Um, so I think that is a big chunk out of the Barracuda scoring. I do wonder if the play is there, but I don't know, man. Like, my girl loves these guys, and the Sharks have so many. Like Jerk said, the Sharks have so many of this guy. I don't Well, it, it is a factory. It. They turn out a lot of things at a factory. Yeah, but the factory, <laughs> suppo- the, the guy factory was a joke about the Barracuda. It wasn't supposed to be the Sharks. The Sharks <laughs> were not supposed to be the guy factory. Well, and don't, you, and don't you think, too, if, if you know, I, I, I do agree with you, um, that I think he would be good for the Barracuda, but I have to think if the Sharks try and throw him back on waivers, you know, I have to think Winnipeg's going to pick him right back up. Yeah, I mean, and that's the other thing too, right? Is like how quickly, you know, if he goes, if he goes down, do they, does somebody pick him right back up? That it'll be interesting to see. I think, again, I'm I'm curious to see how the the Sharks go. I wonder if he's a guy that they've picked up and they're just kind of going to have you know, hang out for a while until maybe some trades happen and then he will slot in for maybe one of the guys that's moving out because no one's getting called up from the Barracuda, clearly. That n- no one would <laughs> no that one with talent. Anyway. Yeah. I don't want to like I don't want to like completely like beat up on CJC. <laughs> well you yeah, but you and, get what I'm Nick talking Chichek about. Here. But no, I but yeah, like <clears throat> Oh, uh hold on. We do we do have some breaking news in the world of football. The Detroit Lions have, in fact, beaten the Green Bay Packers, so the 49ers will play the Seattle Seahawks next week in their playoff game. Uh, Let's get to, I mean, what everybody talked about this week. San Jose Barracuda defenseman Ryan Merkley has requested a trade from the Sharks organization, according to Frank Saravalli. Coach John McCarthy said he was caught by surprise with the trade request from Merkley, which makes me go, really? (laughs) <laughs> that seemed a little odd uh, that or or for all we know McCarthy was just bullshit in the media and like yeah we're not happy I mean dude chief hasn't played since this news went public uh, the three games right Ian hasn't yep. played in uh his, he hasn't played yet, uh in three games that's 30 yeah, I mean, there's been 36 games played I believe right yeah so he's played in 30 of 36 games no goals 14 assists which is good for third on the team, Four, yep. 14 points, which is sixth. So uh, I'm just going to let you bandy this about. But again, my point being is that there were ample opportunities this season to, I don't know, maybe the hold the carrot in front of them that say, hey, Merkley, if you do real good, there is plenty of space up here for the Sharks for you to get a call up if you do real good. But I don't know, maybe he saw Benning and he saw Harrington and he went, really? Is there room? But I don't know. But uh... oh, and then and then when they did call someone up, it was Nick Chichek. And I, I look at I like yeah. Nick Chichek. But like if you think Nick Chichek's the future of this blue line, I have a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, so, I mean, the thing with the, the thing with Merkley, I think it's disappointing. I think Merkley's had a pretty... I think he's had a pretty so-so season. The one thing I will say about Ryan Merkley, though, and I said this when I talked to Puck Guy earlier in the week when this news broke, is like, I don't think like coaching is the issue here. I think John McCarthy put Ryan Merk gave Ryan Merkley every chance to succeed on this team. Um, he, you know, he, he 
did he get benched that one game for two periods? Yeah, he did. But I don't really recall Ryan Merkley really riding the pine at any point for any extended period of time this season like that. That was that was the first for me. Um, so like Ryan Merkley, again, I think he was given every opportunity to succeed. I think the points were there. I think he made... I think he made some decent, you know, he made some decent plays and he made some dumb ones. That's what Ryan Merkley is going to give you. Um, I, he's such a polarizing player, too. Was and I think let me yeah, ask. Sorry, go ahead. Let me ask you this: Was he getting top pair minutes the entire time, or was he pushed down, or did he work his way up? I, I mean, as far as like top pair, like he was always he was always playing minutes. Like he's obviously he was he was getting his time on the special teams. Uh, except for when you know there was a there was a stretch there where the Barracuda were just like we're just going to play five forwards and that's going to be that um, on the first unit. Uh, so Merkley would play like he, but he he got power play minutes. He got opportunities to to do everything that you'd want him to do. And like I said, um, it it was an up and down season for him this year. But from all accounts, and again, I'm not around the team, so I can't you know You're not? I can't say this with any. I know <laughs> it's amazing, um, but like. Every every time like Nick's brought up Merkley and it, when he talked to us and we talked to other people, um, Nick Nolenberger, that is, you know, he said he said that as far as he's seen, like Merkley's had a good attitude this year, despite everything else that's uh, gone on. Obviously, I think after playing so many games on the Sharks last year and not really getting a sniff of that opportunity this year is probably frustrating. But, you know, by all accounts, had a good attitude about it. So. Hmm. Well, so yeah, let me, it, go ahead. I was just going to say, so let me ask you this, and maybe this is putting the cart before the horse here. I know you said you feel that the inevitable Merkley trade is, you know, going to be part of a, a piece of a larger deal. Do you think there's an outside possibility that maybe a team would look at Merkley the way that Dallas looked at Nils Lundqvist and be like, we got to have this guy? It's so hard to say here. The problem with Ryan Merkley is you have to remember, like in his draft year, like he was on a lot of teams, no draft list. Right. So I don't know. Now, why? Now, why was that? Because he had uh, he had definitely attitude problems in junior hockey. Um, He played like it's very rare for a guy to play for two junior teams unless you're getting traded to like a contender or something. We're getting traded like in the situation where a guy gets traded like from a contender to make room for a guy. Um, but Ryan Merkley played for three junior hockey teams and left a trail of destruction in his way, <laughs> other than London. Like there was no there was no talks about problems in London, but there was definitely problems in Guelph. There was definitely problems in Peterborough. Now we have again, now is any of that happening in the HL? Not that we've heard of. And if if there is stuff like that going on then they've done a good job of making sure that no one's heard about it. What do you think, uh, as Ryan comes into the chat saying, I can see Detroit taking a chance on Merkley. Um, I mean, and to credit, I've, I've said this before, but credit to the Sharks mm-hmm. for at least swinging for the fences on this guy instead of going with the safe pick, which they seem to do so often, maybe too often. But in your opinions, guys, and obviously, Ian, I'll start with you first. Mm-hmm. What is a realistic return do you that the sharks could get for a guy who clearly whether it's an attitude issue or a motivation issue whatever the case may be 
and I in the in one of the reasons, of course, why I asked this is because the Sharks are going to hopefully get something back for the guy and not you know future considerations. But some people on Shark social media, of course, where we overvalue everything that wears a Shark's crest, are saying you know well the Sharks should get at least one number one pick and a prospect or whatever. And I'm like, are you high? That's not happening. Yeah, yeah I don't know. You're absolutely high. If you think Merkley's getting you a first round pick. Like, I don't, I, I don't know. One. I was going to say, I don't know that he would get a third round pick and that would be it right now. Or yeah. as I think you alluded to at one point, a problem for, for problem trade. You, you could do a problem for problem trade, but in my opinion, I think he's a throw in on an, I think he's a throw in on an NHL player. I think if you oh, Reimer, move like a James Reimer, like and James Reimer is the guy that I use. Right. Because I think like ever, like I like James Reimer, but like, I don't think he's going to get you a whole lot in a trade. Mm-hmm. Even if he was playing as good as he was last year, I still don't think that return is very good. Maybe if you throw Merkley in, you can increase the value of that return a little bit. But again, you have to find a team that thinks that they can fix him. Uh, who doesn't love a good reclamation project? See, and and I'm kind of I I am kind of with Ian. It is going to be hard to find a team, but at the same time, you think like again, a, 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 you know, people always say, well, what is this guy's value? What is that guy's value? And and mm-hmm. value is really subjective because you can have teams like as Ian pointed out, you have teams that looked at Ryan Merkley and they said, this guy, we don't like his attitude problem. We don't like this. We don't like that. We're not even going to touch him. And then you have a team like the Sharks where it's like, yeah, you know. We can massage that out. We like what he mm-hmm. potentially brings to the table. We're going to take a chance. And I think, you know, you look back, I mean, the last, uh, the recent example, I guess, obviously, as I mentioned, Nils Lundqvist uh, getting traded to Dallas. But again, I, I think that's maybe a situation where the shine hadn't worn off yet. Mm-hmm. But but even with you go back a couple of years, I mean, the L.A. Kings paid up a second round pick for Leas Anderson. And then it's not a direct comparable, obviously. But even at that point, you know, the shine on Leas Anderson had started to wear off. And so that doesn't mean that Ryan Merkley will get you a second round pick. But I think if you talk to the right team, I think you could hammer out a deal that the Sharks would at the very least feel comfortable with. Well, yeah. And, and look at and the, the tricky thing here, too. Um, I want to hit something in the chat here quick. Marty said safe pick would have been Keandre Miller. I don't think Keandre Miller was a safe pick in his draft year. I thought he was incredibly raw. And I thought that there it's, it's a credit to the Rangers that he has developed the way he has, because I think he had, all, he had a lot of tools, but they weren't put together when he was drafted. Um, back on Merkley though, I think, you know, and again, like Merkley hasn't played the last three games. Why is that? Is that because, you know, maybe things are rocky. And again, look at, I, I want to point out here that I am not reporting anything. I don't report things. <laughs> I speculate mm-hmm. rampantly. And that is what this is. So stressing that this is speculation based on nothing. You know, why is Ryan Merkley not playing? Is it because there's a trade close and they don't want him to get injured in the game? Maybe. Are things maybe not as smooth sailing behind the scenes as the Sharks have made them out to be? Mm. I don't know. Maybe. And again, rampant speculation time but we've heard a lot you guys brought up earlier we've been trying to change the culture for since 2020 well we do have a new gm in place and ryan merkley has requested a trade is this an issue of the shark saying well you've quit on the team so now we're quitting on you until you're gone so, and, again and, you, and that's a great rampant point. speculation that's a great point to bring up because from what i understand like over the last season or so there's been nothing in the way of talk 
when it comes to his attitude, but his compete has been questioned from time to time. Whereas a guy like a Simone had no, like that's again, it goes back to the whole idea of Greer and Quinn talking about, there's a, a certain type of hockey that we want here, whether it's a compete level or, or, a, a what do they, what do they call it? Not knuckle dragger, but the grind thing, yeah. whatever that whole idea, which of course leads us to the question right now. It's like, well, have you looked at where you are in the standings? How is that working out for you? You want to change this culture? Okay, fine. Sure. But yeah, maybe Merkley just wasn't fitting the bill in that regard. Hasn't, like I said, hasn't played a game since the news dropped. And I, nope. but to what you're saying about, you know, not reporting news and just speculation. I mean, there's a reason why Occam's razor exists. Yeah. So if you don't know young kids, look it up. Occam's razor. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I, I mean, jerk, any, any thoughts on the Merkley thing before we move on here? No, I just uh, like it as with, you know, every situation, like I, I am always curious to see how it ends up. And to my knowledge, it, it feels like the Sharks lately, and I always kind of use this time frame of like since they've been a bad team, like it seems like in this stretch, they've had a lot of firsts, right? First, I mean, the obvious ones are first time missing the playoffs in three years in a row. It's going to be first time missing four years in a row. But with the, you know, the the very fragile uh, sense of comfort that left with Joe Pavelski, like that was kind of the first time that a marquee homegrown talent with the Sharks went elsewhere. And now with Ryan Merkley, it's kind of the first time that they've had a young prospect sort of maybe publicly or at least privately leaked that he's requesting a trade. I feel like in this pocket of time, there's been a lot of firsts for the Sharks. And I, I am curious to see where this is going to go. I know a lot of people in the chat are pretty pessimistic about what could be received in return. But, you know, I always like to think that, you know, you can still get something that you're happy with if you talk to the right person. I don't know, man. We Greer has yet to pull off the dealing Doug dentist move, you know? <laughs> uh, I don't know, dude. That, we'll you see. know, and. That 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 draft pick trade at last year's draft was a strong contender until we saw who got picked with those picks. But, you know. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, breaking news: Forty ers play next Saturday at one twenty-five Pacific. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens with the Merkley thing. I when do when do they play next? They play Coachella again on Tuesday, right? So Godspeed. If makes you wonder, <laughs> yeah, makes you wonder if Merkley is gonna see any time in a CUDA sweater again, especially haven't the CUDA had a shit ton of injuries as well. So just, it's not like they don't have room for, for Brian Merkley to play right now. That's why Merkley not playing has been to me, at least eye raising because again, like it's not like they don't have the room. And honestly, like I know like they, they did win a couple of games. So people are like, well, they, you know, Ryan Merkley has gone and they won games. Look at Ryan Merkley's the problem. I don't think it's that, easy (laughs) per se like you know and again because like i've been pretty again i've been mostly positive on ryan merkley's game this year like but also i also understand like what ryan merkley is right it it, kind of and it's similar like i use eric carlson as the example right i i don't watch eric carlson for the fucking shutdown defense really because i know i'm not no (laughs) i don't because that's not going to happen right so, pe- so many people and, are saying, 
So when I like, so when I watch Ryan Merkley, like, and I think Ryan Merkley has put an effort into to playing defense in his own zone. Like, he has made plays where I don't think like you would expect him to make previously. Just maybe not with the frequency you would like. And again, like, so again, I like the player. I think it's unfortunate that things have kind of gone this way, but you know, it is what it is. And I don't. I. I it's going to be interesting to see. Um, when he is gone, what kind of return they get, and if it's something that's going to help the Barracuda. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Oh. Well, geez. It's... <laughs> I just... I'm I'm just blown away how that whole thing has ended up, but if... What do you, what do you think the Sharks top out on a return? Fourth, fourth round? Fourth round pick? On his own? Yeah. I don't even know. If it was on his own, I have no idea. Because again, you never know. Okay, well then it's so hard to guess. I'll structure this. Okay. Most likely. On his own, uh, with a deal, uh, you know, dealt with somebody else. Uh, I'm trying what was my third option? (laughs) Dealt with somebody else on his own. Yeah. What what do you think is most likely? He's he's just gonna be uh added to some other deal and that'll be I it. I think he's a throw in. Yeah. I, I don't think he, I just, I don't think he has that much value on his own, but I think if you're trading with a team that thinks that they have, you know, the locker room development, whatever to, to deal with them, like, like I, I think like a team like Boston, I wonder if a team like Boston would look at Ryan Merkley. I mean, you talk, that's a team that, Talk about a culture that is absolutely entrenched there. He might Again. he might absolutely thrive there. Right. I mean, because look at when the Sharks drafted Ryan Merkley, you know, Doug Wilson was like, oh, yeah, we have the yeah, we know about his junior about his history in junior, but we have the room to deal with it. <laughs> We're aware of his it. transgressions. He's apologized. Yeah, yeah. Yada, we, yada, yada. He had the room, right? Yeah. Well. If he's never going to play again, it just makes me wonder. Like, it's is he just going to sit? I, I mean, that's the that's the million dollar question. Die on I the vine. I don't know. Again, like it's it's the question is why is he sitting? Yeah. And, until we know the answer to that, and we won't find out because the sharks don't tell us anything. Well, March third trade deadline is coming up. Rather, it's going to be here before we know it. When does the first domino fall? And and will a stagnant cap lead to what? so far has been, you know, pretty un- uneventful when it comes to uh, trades. I mean, jerk, is there somebody at the top of your list going, how the hell have they not made a deal yet? Well, I, I, I think if you take the salary cap out of it, right, I, I think the easy answer is Colorado just because of how much they've struggled to, despite the fact that they're a good team, right? But the thing with, and, and you mentioned obviously the flat cap and all all of those considerations, you know, uh, Jesus, I mean, it's over half. It's like it's about half of the league, a little bit over half that's in long term injured reserve with multiple guys in long term injured reserve. Right. So you're basically if you are a team that's looking to add someone at the deadline, you're essentially waiting, waiting until March 3rd, a to see if your LTIR guys are going to stay on LTIR until the end of the regular season. But also you're just, you're trying to accrue more cap space. You know what I mean? You know, a lot of these teams that do want to make a move are 
essentially waiting until they have the flexibility to be able to do so, which is why I think if you remember last year around trade deadline season, it was the same kind of thing. It was very quiet. And then things maybe, you know, four to seven days out from the deadline, things kind of exploded, right? Obviously with the Toffoli deal and the, the Ben Chirot deal and all these kinds of things. And so I think it's going to be a lot of the same where once teams have the ability to bring players in, I think is when you're going to see a lot of activity. I mean, there's some good, there's some good UFAs available. I mean, the one that I'm kind of horse eyeing is Bo Horvat. Like, you know, it's quiet now, but there's no way that guy's not getting moved. You know what I mean? So you just, you sort of have to wait for the money to be right. Uh, who do you think goes before or at the deadline? Ask being asked by Darius. Unfortunately, Darius did not clarify if he meant that to be sharks specific or league specific, but well, I think again, if you look at if you go to the Sharks and you look at Cap Friendly, right? I think the obvious answer is Nick Benino, Matt Nieto, Scott Harrington, James Reimer, Marcus Nudavara if he's healthy, just because these guys <laughs> these guys How are pen- Nudavara not been waived at this point. <laughs> well, he's on LTIR, they can't move him. Oh, okay. How's he not been fired at this point? <laughs> um, you know, all these guys are pending UFA, so it's kind of like it just makes you think, okay, well, the the smart money is on them getting moved out. But if you want to be, again, I've been saying all along, I just think the way that guys from the guys factory are con- constantly being added to this team and, you know, everything surrounding playing time and all that kind of stuff. Like I'm still thinking Noah Gregor is going to find himself traded. You know, I, you would hope, I, I mean, if you know, can't I, be, if you can't find any space here, Right, and or is it, see, or is it like they're holding on to Gregor until they move Nieto, and they're like, okay, now we have space for you. <laughs> I mean, may, I mean, honestly, maybe, but I, I still sort of lean, lean towards, even though Gregory is a restricted free agent, he does have arbitration rights, and you know that is going to be a pain in the ass when you have to negotiate with a player that doesn't really have a whole lot to stand on, but still insists on standing, mm-hmm. and. So I, I think Noah Gregor is going to be the guy there. And then maybe, again, depends depends on what Greer thinks this team is heading for. Again, whether it's a quick turnaround or it's a long turnaround. But if you, you know, maybe if you want to throw 10 bucks on a 1,000 to 1 kind of situation, <laughs> maybe, maybe if Greer's like, you know what, this team is shit and they're going to be shit for a while, let's just start now. Maybe a LeBanc or a Barabanov. Well, that leads me to ask you, and you're already on, on record on this show saying that Timo doesn't get moved. So nope, I think the, I think they'll end up signing him just because again, we and we always make fun, right? But who, there us? is still <laughs> there is still a degree of truth to it. When when Rudolph Balsers got bought out, Mike Greer said we want to bring in players who play the way that we want to play. And we've made fun about that comment so much. Oh, well, you know what, AJ? He plays the right way. But well, you know dude, what? Timo embodies Tim, that. Timo Meyer plays the right way. Mm-hmm. For one, for two, I put it out on Twitter and surprisingly I got a lot of people agreeing with me, which is surprising. <laughs> If the Sharks trade away Timo Meyer, they're going to spend 10 years looking for the next Timo Meyer. Yeah. I mean, look at it. The Sharks traded away Owen Nolan in 2003. Timo Meyer did not become an NHL regular until 2017. You really want to go 14 years uh, looking well, for I, that guy? I would argue Ryan Klo. Ryan Klo, no. Ryan, I, Ryan Klo, if you want to call him discount Owen Nolan, sure, I will give you that. Mm-hmm. But that guy was not Owen Nolan. That guy was at least two steps below, maybe one step, if you want to be offensively. Generous. Offensively, yes, but as a shit disturber and someone very tough to play with against, I'd say they were pretty on pretty even footing. 
Sure. Oh, and and that's fair. But it's just, again, yeah, Clo lacked the offensive component. Right, and to, and and Clo was good offensively. Don't get me wrong, but not Owen Nolan good. Right, and mm-hmm. so I feel like Owen Nolan, Timo Meyer is kind of a that's a pretty direct comparable, and that's sure you know, both again, white my, guys that play hockey. Absolutely. Well, and again, you know, Meyer was drafted in 2015, but wasn't a full time player until 2017, and so you know, you go 14 years between having that guy, like the sharks, the sharks can get a hundred first round picks and maybe they'll be happy with that, but they're still going to be looking for the next team. Myers, So you, they might as well just keep the one they have. You might want to pin that tweet, dude, just, and I'm and the Which reason one? the, the whole idea of like, it's going to take, they're going to spend 10 years looking for, for the next team only because I've seen a lot of the paid prognosticators, if you will, the upper, your LeBron's, uh, the one or two other higher end guys that they're all predicting that Meyer does get moved before the deadline. So I'm just saying, leave it up there, collect your foreseen points at the end of the deadline and, and, and enjoy it. That's how we I mean, roll. we'll see. I, I mean, yeah. again, if he, would I be surprised if he got traded? No, but I still think it would be a mistake, you know? Well, but thinking it's going to be a mistake and being surprised it's like you have a hundred dollars bet it which way you're going sharks keep them sharks move them. you cut out can you say that again you you have a hundred dollars sharks yeah. sharks you have to bet it sharks keep them sharks move them keep them all right then he plays the right way <laughs> Jesus, okay we're gonna beat that into the ground i love it Okay, but but again, like I said, we joke around, but are you going to tell me that's not true? <laughs> not at all. Uh, <laughs> let's go back to Ian Reed here for a moment. Hold on. <sighs> Remember an hour and 20 minutes ago when Jerk said, man, we got through that quick. I don't recall what you're saying. Like tw- I famously, we were, I famously we were 20 minutes into it and we had finished talking <laughs> about the Boston game. You're like, man, that went fast. I famously don't remember that. <laughs> the Cuda played three games this week and we're finally able to stop a ridiculous losing streak. What were they? Eight games for Christ's sakes. Yes. Like four, uh, yeah, four, three nine over games. two win over the Henderson Silver Knights finally would snap it. Then a four, two win over the Ontario Reign. Bordalo would get two, including the game winner. Leading the team with seven shots on goal. Kinyajev, if I'm saying that correctly. Kinyajev. Kinyajev, yes. See, Kinyajev and Kanajev. Who's it? Kinyajev. Kinyajev. Jesus Kinyajev. Christ. Uh, all right. I guess I start doing Who, it. by the way, has started skating with the regular group again. Yes. Fuck. Which means less room for Merkley. Anyway, uh, <laughs> he had two helpers, Brady, and uh, I'm going to just say it the way it's spelled Rydell. Rydell is correct. <laughs> all right. They both got their first goals of the season. Dell saves 28 of 30 in that one. Uh, Merkley w- went on the trip for whatever reason, but missed his second in a row. And then an absolute shelling by Coachella, a 4-0 loss. McInamy getting no goal support in this one. Saved 27 of 31, but hey, former Shark Alexander True was the second star of the game, so there's that. In uh, the three games, I mean, dude, you, you've, Ian, have... <laughs> Just decimated the defense, screamed about the special yep. teams. Anything change for you in this 
in this short week? No, I mean, a lot more of the same, right? Coachella is the best team in the American Hockey League. Um, I think at full strength, even with Egazino in the lineup, they're, you know, even I think a full strength, like if you bring back Derek Pouliot and every, you know, and everyone's <laughs> healthy, I still think that the Barracuda are going to have a hard time um, holding their own against the Coachella Valley Firebirds. I thought they played a decent game against Coachella Valley, all things considered. I thought Niemi had one of his better games. Uh, I haven't really been a big fan of Niemi since he got sent back down from the Sharks. I don't think his play has been anything to write home about, but I thought he, you know, he held his own this game. Again, Coachella Valley is just really, really good. Yeah, well, because they have True and Tennyson. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's true. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, um, they, I mean, they have other guys too, um, but the, Alex Drew, I mean, it's nice to, it's nice for him. You know, he was, he went to Seattle obviously via the expansion draft. Um, so I don't hold anything against him there for going to a better team. Sure. Well, let's see. So Kinezhov, Kinezhev. Yeah. Yeah. Cause only because Puck guy is saying, Hey, could be worse. Could be Stern, Sturm, Stewart, Suter, or Sutter. That's true. I prefer that though. Um, Yeah. So the Barracuda currently sitting in seventh, um, but with the AHL form playoff format, that is a playoff team. So what do they let everybody, everybody in (laughs) 80% go in? Is that what it is? It's, it's a five round playoff. So it's, um, it's wild. The more the merrier. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which always, which should make people nervous though, because obviously with all the talk with the NHL expanding the playoffs, like, that always the HL is where they test a lot of this stuff. So is this a sign of what's to come in the NHL? I don't know. No, oh, now that's what I call fucking yikes. Uh, leaders right now for the Barracuda Bordalo at goals with 17 assists. Agazino 16 points. Still Agazino 26 Dell with the 901 save percentage still right now better than any sharks goaltender. <laughs> 325 goals against McNeemy, 895 with a 3.24. And Mann right now, 899, 2.85. But of course, Mann right now with Wichita. So take that for Yeah, getting those frequent flyer miles in um, for Strauss Mann, unfortunately. Um, Again, like I think McNeemy, I don't have an issue with McNeemy pulling the number of starts he has. I think for like a lot of the, a lot of the, the Barracuda season, he was very good and he did earn the starts. Um, it sucks that the they have three goalies that they um, can go to at any given time because obviously Strassman being the lowest guy on the totem pole and fortunately gets sent to Wichita to get playing time in. And he's been really good in Wichita. Um, well, remember, that's, obviously, that's only until the Sharks get rid of Reimer and then somebody comes up. Right, and, and then someone will come up and then Strassman will be able to play uh, some more games with the Barracuda. It is what it is. <laughs> uh Lacey pointing out that uh Hallway finally back. Pouliot should yep. be back this week. Raska is forever day to day, and we have no idea about a player named Hataka. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see Hataka get back, uh, but I have no idea when he's back. Derek Pouliot, I think, is gonna be a huge boon to this team huge. getting him back. Huge. I mean, that's that's a that's a player that they desperately need back. Whoa. Again, Derek Pouliot is a guy who I, I would be very angry with him on my NHL team, but as, as an NHL player, he's fine. And I think he's the kind of guy you want. Um, you know, he, he's the kind of guy you can rely on to kind of anchor that blue line. So I'm really looking forward to him coming back and seeing how the Barracuda look there. 
All right, so real fast here. I mean, top four guys right now that are, uh, I don't know, sautéing, marinating, baking, cooking, whatever. I mean, it's clearly what? Bortolo, Eklund, Co, Gushkin, anybody standing out for you? Is there somebody? Do you think any of those guys, just based on 41 games that the Sharks have played and been mm -hmm. zero movement for them, do you think anybody gets called up before somebody gets moved? You know, like, I don't want to sit, you I know, I can it. sit there. Somebody's going to get called up. Well, yeah, because they just traded Nieto and Benino and this guy. So there's space. I don't, I, I'm curious to see how they play that. But I just feel like with the, with, with adding guys like Asimov, like, they're it just, just seems like they're just, like they're just keep continuously them down. just throwing bodies at the problem and, and not letting them come up. Um, the one player that you didn't mention, though, who I think has been really, really good that should get shouted out is Tristan Robbins also. I think has been really good. <sighs> yes, absolutely. All right. So, oh, and prospect of the week. I was laughingly going to say, um, oh, my God, who was it? <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I was going to call out a particular defenseman because I'm like, look at this guy. He's doing so great with his... Uh, uh, point per game status because he was at two points per game. Oh, Gannon LaRock. But because mm. at that point he had literally played one game. But anyway. Yeah, Gannon LaRock, <laughs> though. I mean, it's good to see finally the Sharks, um, their prospects on the defensive side getting healthy. Gannon LaRock has missed almost, uh, he missed the entire season basically. So it's nice to see him get back into the, the game and start immediately putting up points. Um, Havlid uh, was injured over playing in Sweden and he is back and he is playing again and he had a, a good game uh, on his return as well. So that's positive to see. And, you know, we didn't talk about when we were talking about the world juniors, but like Philip Eastead, um, the Sharks first round pick this last, or, or the first pick that they made last year, um, you know, he was he he was tied for the lead in points for Team Sweden, who I think had a disappointing tournament, but that's still positive. And where was uh, Beestead playing? Center Sweden. No, I mean, but but like top line minutes. Where where is he at? You know. Yeah, uh, I mean, he was yeah, he was one of their go to guys offensively. Um, so he was he was getting minutes all over the place, and I thought he had a really good shot, and I think he played. Like I said, he the, the points speak for themselves. I think Sweden in general maybe didn't have the tournament they would want to have, but um, I thought he was really good. Well, our focus of the week, defenseman Jake Furlong with the Halifax Moosehead. In 35 games, he's posted four goals, 22 assists. That's good for .74 points per game. He leads all the prospects with a plus 26. Now, if you want to put that in context, Shmolevsky sitting in Russia with a plus 11. So that's, it's huge. So defenseman, Jake Furlong, you are the prospect of the week. So we already hit our tweet of the week. We have no giveaway, although for the people that are waiting for their giveaways, they are forthcoming. Jerk is going to be uh, writing that for, uh, I don't know, the next week or so. We'll figure it out. So the Sharks are going to play three games this week, so they say. At Arizona, first visit to the Bad Haircut Arena. I'm looking forward to this and all the Desert Dog mention, mentions from Randy Hahn. It'll be, uh, I've, I'll be honest, guys. Have, have either of you guys watched many home Coyotes games? And I, and, and I say that a little bit sarcastically because there haven't been a whole lot. I watched their first one just because I was curious. Jerk? No, I I haven't. 
Yeah, so I'm I'm interested to see how the camera angles are. Uh, I I remember watching one or two games and I went, meh, all right, it's better than a CUDA game, but is it? I don't know. <laughs> then they play uh, the the Sharks will play the L.A. Kings. That is a national game on TNT. And let me put the brakes right here for a moment. The game early this week on Friday night versus Anaheim was one of those ES plus, yeah, ESPN Plus games that people love to lament and dump all over because ESPN, for the most part, has proven to not be that great at this whole NHL thing, and I would agree with that. A lot of people love to dump on Leah Hextall. I, I, I go back and forth on that, but it wasn't Leah Hextall. We got Roxy Bernstein. I will say... Roxy Bernstein, I thought, did a hell of a job. I hope he gets the call on more ESPN games because I thought he did great. Uh, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised not to get Leah Hextall. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, <laughs> and then hosting Edmonton. So right now, if you look at where everything is sitting, uh, it, you know Arizona, you, if, if you're a Sharks fan, depending on where your head is at, you're really hoping the Sharks lose that one in Arizona. <laughs> you re- you want to keep Arizona above you on that race to the cellar. So we'll see how that game works out. Uh, I don't I don't have the record. What 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 is the record? If I can pull it up, or if one of you guys could pull it up, what is the record that the Coyotes have at home? Because I can't imagine. It's awful because they've only played like what five or six games there. <laughs> they <laughs> right now their home record is seven four and two. Yeah. All right. So all right. If you're a Sharks fan, that's that is hashtag tank for Bedard. You're going yeah. Bring it. <laughs> uh, L. A. Last I looked, second in the Pacific Division and kind of putting some heat on Vegas. Last I look, I think they beat Vegas this past week and did it with authority. Like, I think it was like a 5-1 shellacking. If memory serves, I think a lot of people were saying it was the worst loss that Vegas has experienced this season. So, again, you're like, all right, Sharks are looking good (laughs) with LA. And then, oh, you gotta go to Anaheim. Or, I'm sorry, they're hosting Edmonton. And last looks, Edmonton, their record at home is a losing one, but their record away is not too bad. 11-6-1. So, again, all signs pointing to a tremendously awesome week for the Sharks. And when I say tremendously awesome, I mean three straight losses. That's what we're rooting for here, guys. We want generational talent up in here. So... We will catch you guys next Sunday when all of that is over. But remember... We go live after every single one with After Dark featuring Puck Guy, Ian, Landy, Dana, Mark, or some reasonable facsimile or combination there within. So make sure you check them out after every single Sharks game. And hey, Brody isn't doing Sharks Live or Night Switch or Nightline or whatever he was doing. He's not doing it anymore. So we're all you have is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, you know, even if he was still doing it, we're yeah. all that they have anyway. Yeah, right? Yeah, we're like the phone company. We're, the, <laughs> we're all you got. Deal with it. <laughs> so on Twitter, you can follow him at hockey underscore jerk. You can follow him at Ian Bloggs Hockey. You can follow me at AJ underscore strong. 
Did I get that right, Ian? Yes. Okay, because you've changed it several times. I have to keep I, up. I changed it once. It felt like many times. <laughs> <laughs> Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Leave your take in the comment section of this video if you were unable to join us live. You can find links to our social media podcast apps and more all included in our show notes. You can always find everything on tealtownusa.com. And if you want to join the Discord where the party never ends, because Hockey Jerk will not allow it, you can hit them up on the Twitter machine again, at hockey underscore jerk or via the jerk email, hockeyjerk10 at gmail.com. So last looks, guys. I'll start with you, Ian. I mean... You got those three games this week. I just said it like I'm dude, bring me the O for three. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want that record. I don't think it's out of, uh, yeah, it's, it's not crazy to consider, but what are you no, looking for? So. What are you looking for this week? I mean, anything are you looking for the power play to finally get on the board after going for O for 15? Are you looking for something, some sign of life from be awful? I'm sorry. I just want everything to be awful. Yeah. Uh, awful but entertaining that's that's all i want that's yeah. that's all i've ever wanted this season awful but entertaining are you looking from a <laughs> pulse from either uh reimer or kakinen this week yeah i mean obviously i would like to see again reimer, I don't think, reimer. let's see reimer do i, I want to really see good. reimer increase that trade value although yes. i think again like there was times where i i feel like if if teams really wanted james reimer there's a couple of points this season where i think it would have been very easy for them to call up Mike Grin be like, hey, James Reimer, what do you want? <laughs> I, I just I just feel like there's been teams that have had that this year where and they haven't called. Mm. So I'm just I get I get a little worried. Oh, and La Lacey pointing out Sharks need to lose to the Yotes because they have lost five in a row and now have fewer points in fewer games. So that oof. Ouchie. Yeah. Go in, lose it. Sit okay. Jerk, say it with me now. Bench Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't. We can't do that because then if he doesn't, if he doesn't play, you're gonna make some comment. Oh my god, I don't even think he's out there. No, I told anything. you. No, I told you. I'm all, <laughs> dude. I'm all in. I'm like, hey, dude. Doesn't, doesn't he have two kids now? Like, hey, go have family time. We'll see you back in, uh, I don't know, July. Jerk, I need you to go back and capture this audio so that. <laughs> we can use it in the future. <laughs> no, I'm all in, baby. Of course. Sure you are. Whatever you say. What do you want to see this week, Jerk? Oh, Jesus. I mean, I, I do kind of agree with Ian. I want to see excitement, um, among other things. Like, if the Sharks win or lose, I don't care. I just, I want to see something good, something interesting. You know what I mean? Entertain me, bitches. Yeah. Other than that... Uh, I don't really have a lot to say. Jake Middleton swore on national TV. That's that, oh, that, that was, was nice. fun. Like again, like I, I don't know the for, <laughs> the 49ers are in the playoffs. You know, like it's just the the happenings around the Sharks are so negative that I feel like I'm naturally drawn to like everything else. Right. Sure. Um, but you know, if the Sharks can be exciting, you know, if like uh, again, like even if yes, we want the to tank for Bedard or any of the other legit top prospects that are going to be available in that range. That's obviously what we all want, but we still want the sharks, good players to be good, right? You still want Barabana and bank and Carlson. And <laughs> yeah. You still want these players to be good. You know what I mean? You're trying to build a foundation here. And 
that's what I just want. I want the the guys who are going to be here beyond this year. I want them to like have good seasons and continue to like build that foundation and make prog- pro- progress. You know what I mean? I'll tell you my, my uh, kind of closing thought is I would love to see in some way, shape or form some national writer because jerk, you love to talk about there's always a hero. I want there to be a hero that is a proponent that is going to fly the Barabanov flag. That's oh, what... it'll never happen because, you know, no. because know. he w- because he was in Toronto and didn't work out and got <laughs> traded away. So by that logic, he automatically sucks forever. I just, he I wasn't matter. a greyhound jerk. That too. <laughs> I just, I want to see a LeBron or a Wazinski or a Lucision, somebody to, to come in and be like, Hey, here's, or, or 32 thoughts. You know, just come to, hey, for those of you who haven't noticed, this guy named Alexander Barabanov has, like, scored in four straight games. Or you put up points in four straight games. You know, like, might want to give him the horse eye. You know, it just, dude, that, you know that Barabanov jersey that you've been, uh, like, silently horse eyeing from afar in Vegas? Mm-hmm. I do. It feels like a solid purchase I'm pretty proud of. <laughs> you know what the problem well, is? You're, you're welcome for Just telling you who he is. Yeah. Right. What, Ian? I say, so you know, you know what the problem is, though, right? Like, you'd want to see that happen, but, like, these people want you to watch their, their trade deadline day show that's going to be probably dreadfully boring because nothing's going to happen. So they, they're they not going to talk about Barabanov. You're right. They're going to talk about Timo Meyer. Mm, well, and to, to kind of wrap this up, that was kind of something funny I noticed during the Anaheim game, which again was an ESPN game. So you got the national guys there. Boy, dude, that broadcast, if you paid attention, they were doing a lot of talk during the third period about the Sharks moving out Meyer, moving out EK65, and a couple other names. I didn't hear Barabanov's name mentioned in there, nor nor should I think he should be mentioned. But <laughs> if if you had to... See, now, okay, here's the money play. All right, I, I, I'm going to start with you, Ian. You okay. have you have $100. You have to place the bet. Okay. Who are you betting? Gets, I'm not saying either, but I'm saying most likely to try to maximize your money. If you have to push put the cash on the table, who are you betting on to be moved by the deadline? Meyer, Carlson. Meyer, because Carlson leaving's a pipe dream. Jerk, same, same. Yeah, I mean, you know, in in the land of reality where Santa Claus doesn't exist, it's neither. But for the <laughs> sake of this argument, it would be Meyer between the two. Because again, like Carlson can put is up two hundred points this year, and that contract is still wild to take on in a in a COVID cap era. Even yeah, if, like, even if the Sharks eat, you know, four million. Dude, even if they eat 50% and then another team eats 50%, you're still taking on an injury riddled player. You're still taking on an injury riddled player for four years. Yeah, I like, I love Eric Carlson, but like, and NHL GMs are, are stupid. Like, don't get me wrong, but like, they don't, ha- they don't have amnesia. <laughs> they know how we got here. Like, I look at Eric Carlson's having a hell of a year, and I'm like, and I'm an Eric Carlson guy through and through, but like, I I know what's happened the last four years. I know what most of this contract's been. I I just I don't see it. I, I think it's it it gets clicks and it's sexy, but I just I there's no way. 
I, I will be shocked. Oh, does Absolutely it get the click? Oh, well, yeah. and 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 so I, there's a couple things I want to say. So say going it. back to going back to what you said about uh, Barabanov, like just wondering, like you know, is he going to go? Like wanting more people to talk about him, all that kind of stuff. Couldn't you say at this point, if he was going to go somewhere, he would have done it by now? Because think about it. He's on Toronto. You come up to that trade deadline. He told his agent, you know, San Jose looks pretty good and made it happen. And then re-signed after not a long sample size. And then after last year, which was all kinds of nonsense, as we saw, trade rumors, COVID, poor play injuries, all that kind of stuff. He's like, you know what? Two years will be good here. And <laughs> pretty much the entire time he's been in San Jose, he's, if you ask me, he's been underpaid. And yes. so I kind of, kind of like what I was talking about before. And we've talked about previously with contracts, you know, sometimes the money is not really what it's all about. And if you're happy somewhere, you'll just, you kind of stay there and you'll take what yeah. you can get. There's and a, I think there's a reason why they the call the, it's the, there's a reason why they call it a hometown discount. Right. Like it, I bet you, you know, if Barabanov had, had left his UFA, I bet some team would have given him 4 million bucks. Is it, but he's like, you know what? I'll take my two and a half and I'll stay here. Is it Barabanov or is it Barabanov? I think it depends on the day of the week. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cause that, that was something um, else. I think somebody yelled at us and I'm like, Really? That's that's the thing. Like we talked for two and a half hours, yeah, and the thing that you, you the thing that you want to like get on us about, like no, it's like, hey, respect for talking about the sharks for two and a half. No, no, no. You need to learn how to pronounce Barabanov or Barabanov or what? I'm like, really? Okay, fine. Uh, and a, a, according to Hockey <laughs> Reference, which has phonetic spelling, it's Barabanov. Okay, Barabanov. Well, the next but time anyway. I talk to Chief, I'll make sure to ask him. Right, and then the um, other thing I wanted to I wanted to say this is kind of I do have to kind of stick it to you a little bit, AJ. Oh, stick it! You <laughs> stick it, baby. You said <laughs> what did I say? That you said this like two years ago, so I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, Jesus if you don't remember. Christ! Okay, you I'm, said, I'm sure you I remember said, this like it was yesterday. Go ahead. By you said by the time we reach the halfway point of Eric Carlson's contract, which for those <laughs> who don't know is summer 2023. Oh, weird. That's now ish. Um, <laughs> you said what did I say? You said if by the halfway point of the contract, Eric Carlson is not in the Norris Trophy conversation, it's an it's a it's the worst contract ever. So, are you prepared so if, to make any? Are you prepared to make a statement now that we're before halfway and he's in the conversation? So it's so I will say it's not the worst contract ever, <laughs> but I mean, dude. I, I I go back to what I I'd stay with what I said, dude. I mean, you played for f <laughs> he's he's in fourth of the eighth year of an eight year yeah. deal, right? Year year four of eight. Yeah, year four of eight. So he's in the conversation. So yeah, you know, I stay with what I said. Like it would be the worst contract ever. The fact that he is in it right now, and sh and and as far as I'm concerned, they should already be etching his name on the fucking thing. So I don't think it's the, the, the worst contract ever is the, is it still the worst contract for the sharks right now? Yes. Okay. That's fair. Um, and then I want to, uh, go to what Mark Ricky Vlasic exists. Wait a minute. Well, okay. You, you make a fair point, <laughs> but I want to go to what Ricky just said in the chat, which was, I think you guys are too hard on the Carlson contract. He is worth six million a year when he was playing bad. Worth nine million now. 
okay, the problem is, is he's making 11 and a half. (laughs) You you feel me, Rick? (laughs) Yeah. And I don't think like, I don't think the sharks, I don't think the sharks want that. I, I know they have dead cap that they have to work through, but like if you move him and like retain a ton of salary, that's a lot of dead cap. I mean, I understand that the Sharks are not going to be good to, you know, next year and probably not the year after, but depending on how things go and, you know, what the cap does and free agency classes, you know, there, there, there is a way out. But if you're to have that much dead cap for four years, I mean, oof. oh, dude, it's huge. Yo, yeah, that's, that's why I've, I've believe that I've said this to jerk very early on is that, once we saw that the younger guys, when they were in desperate need of offense at, with the Sharks, and we didn't see the Ecklins, we didn't see the Bordelos getting any kind of a call-up to try to fix the situation, to me, it seemed pretty obvious, fate to complete, that it is, this is Mike Greer spending his time over the next season or so that it's, okay, we want to instill this culture, right way to play, mm-hmm. be hard, blah, 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 all the superlatives, all the noise that you want to say, but it's almost a mask of saying, yeah, we want to instill this culture of being a really hard-nosed team while we bide our time getting out from all these ridiculous contracts that Doug Wilson handed out. Yeah. You know, getting out from under Vlasic, under Carlson, under Couture, you know, add name here. And in fact, I'm sure when Greer came in, his first question to Joe Will was, Hurdle? Eight years? Really? so anyway uh i think with that we went on way too long again like two hours ago jerk was like man this show's going we're already done talking about that and here we are so we thank you so much for listening hanging with us this week uh oh my god jerk man is next week our final takeover or is that two weeks from now oh man you know what? I think it's next week. No, no, it's no. Not. It's the twenty second. No, it's, it's the twenty second. Funnily I'm enough, not, we're not that lucky. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt, right? Funnily enough, yeah, because we had Monday off, right? True for MLK. So yeah, we're not that quite that lucky. Uh, yeah. Who's who's we? We <laughs> <laughs> who's we? White man. <laughs> so that. That day is unfortunately not part of my day off packages, of course, of unfortunately, but it's okay. Well, so we thank you so much for listening. And next week we'll be here for like, I don't know, the first time in two months that we're going to be here for this two weeks in a row, two consecutive weeks at the same time, 7 p.m. <laughs> so we thank you so much for listening and hanging out with us this week. In the immortal words of Hockey Jerk, say it. Say it. We'll see you next Sunday, everybody.